This is Unfilter, episode 182, for March 30th, 2016. The FBI has broken the lock on the iPhone of one of the terrorists in the San Bernardino massacre. This may end the legal battle with Apple that could have defined privacy for the 21st century. A beautiful day here in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome again to another edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. Maybe you should be watching, I don't know, the election. There was a three-state sweep over the weekend. We're going to cover that. We're going to cover cyber. We're going to cover all that much more. My name is Chase. Working the controls, Mr. Chris. Hey, Chris. Hello, buddy. Yeah, hey, we do man. have a lot to cover. Here. Oh, man. Yeah, so the, much. Cyber, the cyber is big this week. ASO, buddy. Yeah, ASO. it's big this week, of course, because the FBI is dropping their case with Apple. Terrorism update is packed. Russia's cracking jokes. Hill Dog is exposing Googs. And Donald Trump is really in the hole. Uh, plus, we even have a high note towards the end that's Mr. right Chase. man by the way i, I was just uh, i don't know if you saw the chat room but uh token ring just asked if i will be the next voice of skynet yeah well, probably and actually uh the eight ball said without a doubt we should get you in touch with the mycroft project an open source uh, <laughs> artificial intelligence that uh, has a different voice system it's interesting Ooh, is it better than like a siri voice well, what it does, which is very interesting about it, is you give it a sample, and then the voice synthesizes based on your voice from then on, and it is crazy accurate. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, so one of our uh, community members, and he's an Ubuntu uh, canonical employee, Popey, uh, or Alan Pope, uh, did it. He did, he did a voice analysis for this little Mycroft thing, and now the Mycroft device has his voice. It's really wow. It's really that's something. Awesome. Uh, but we are not here to talk about that, Mr. No. Chase. No, no, that's another show. We are here to talk about, well, many, many topics. Yes. But let's start with the DOJ dropping its lawsuit with Apple. Woo! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> hey Of course, it's your buddy. It's your buddy, your pal, your good, good friend. Charlie's been, you know, Charlie. he's been opinionated about this whole you thing. Know, Char- well, not only opinionated, he's been so furious. Like, why won't Apple just give it up? Well, it turns out uh, I might have an I might have an explanation for that in a coming up in a clip coming up. But okay. first, let's, right. uh, let Charlie set it up for us. Right. Hey, uh, Mister uh, Mister Rose, take it. God says it has unlocked the San Bernardino gunman's iPhone without help from Apple. The government Monday ended its high stakes legal fight with the tech giant. FBI expert experts were able to access the data with help from a third party. We got Apple it. says the case should not have been brought. Jan Crawford is in Washington with why the privacy versus security fight oh. is far from over. Is not over. Yes, <laughs> close though. Yeah, it's close. It's the privacy. Cool. Ver- I love the. Gosh, you know, you know how much I love that privacy I versus security love- slogan. You can't have both, Chris. You can't. You, you, can't, you, have you can't have both. You can't have. You, you seriously. You seriously can't have privacy without no, security. No, you, you can't, can't have security without. Nope. Wait a minute. Wait, nope. wait a minute. Wait. What? You can't have one. Hold on. Wait. Wait. Jan, good morning. Good morning, Jan. Good morning, Charlie. I mean, the Justice Department isn't saying who the third party is or even if they're based in the United States. And the question now is whether the government will tell Apple how and who was able to get past its security. Nope. Do you want to make a Red Book prediction on that? No, I don't need to. No. The FBI's request for Apple's help in this case is over, but not the issue of balancing personal privacy and public security. 
With the help of a third party, the FBI penetrated Apple's encryption. <laughs> I know, dude. Gosh, come on. You, come know, on. you know they're going to say it. you got to just brace yourself Come on, for this it. is morning news. Yeah, okay, well, that's come true. Yeah, Charlie Rose is listening to this after all. <laughs> and public security. With the help of a third party, the FBI penetrated Apple's encryption and accessed the iPhone of San Bernardino shooter Syed Rizwan Farouk. No product is beyond being hacked into. Congressman Daryl Issa, a member of the House Judiciary Committee. Issa's this one, is the smart guy, Yeah, by the he's way. the one that's like, why don't you just pull the chip out and put it in a reader and make infinite copies of it, which is Basically. guaranteed what they did. As yeah. opposed the government's demand. Your government will ask for the backdoor to your privacy and there has to be a constant vigilance to make sure they're not allowed to go too far. Do you think it's a coincidence that uh, backdoor and penetrate is these terms are being used when these devices often have, you know, dick pics and whatnot on them, like or sex pics or whatever? Like, do you suppose that because I don't, I don't think they're that bright? I, no, I'm not saying they're doing yeah. it on purpose. What oh, I'm saying yeah. is. The subconscious in the human mind oh, is making yeah. them use these words or write – or the writers are writing these words because they're thinking what's really on these phones are people's nudie pics. Or, or the writers are intentionally doing this as I <laughs> see them say this. They could be. You know, like, oh, writers are – writers could – yeah, they, yeah, they very well – It happens. In February, the Justice Department asked Apple to develop new software that would in part disable the auto-erase function that wipes the phone clean after 10 passcode fails. Tell your Apple refused and call the request a dangerous precedent. We did not expect to be in this position at odds with our own government. It's unclear if Apple will ever know how a third party bypassed their security. They won't. And listen up. Uh, this is why no. they never will. See, the FBI had, had a hard choice here because uh, this is a public company, if the rumors are correct, that gave them this information. We're not expecting the government to, uh, to tell Apple very much anytime soon. Los Angeles Times tech reporter Presh Duvet. It raises questions about Apple's security. Apple has said throughout this whole process, nothing that they build is 100% secure. In a statement released Monday, the company vowed to increase the security of their products. The company also stood by their original decision, saying the FBI's demand was wrong. There was every reason uh, for the FBI to push as hard as they possibly could. Every reason. Now, listen, yeah, listen to this guy. That. This guy isn't just uh, some, you know, Joe Blow. Senate Intelligence Chairman Richard Burr said. So this is Richard Burr, Senate's Intelligence Chairman. And what he's about to say is extremely disturbing. It is a foreshadow. Hard as they possibly could. To get Senate that. Intelligence Chairman Richard Burr says he expects more cases like this one. Here they come. Uh, we will yeah. face in the future many, many times. Many, many, many times. Many, many times. Not only in terrorism, but in regular criminal prosecution uh, where we've got to get into electronic devices. they got to get in, guys. The FBI says it performed extensive testing on the phone, but it hasn't disclosed what it found. Apple was asked if it planned to countersue to get more information on how the government got into the phone. The company told CBS News it can't say yet what its next move will be. Now, I know why Apple will never get the exploit. I, I think it's pretty clear, uh, which we're about to get to. A federal judge has vacated her order compelling Apple to unlock the San Bernardino gunman's iPhone. This action officially ends the legal case. Apple is now under pressure to find out how investigators bypassed its security to access the phone. A government official tells CBS News the FBI now owns the rights to the method it obtained. Oh! oh. 
So they bought it. They bought the rights. With they, so that must have been a pretty penny. Can you imagine if you were the company that figured out how to crack this? That is worth some money because there's probably only a handful, maybe a dozen out there that would know how to do this. Right. And you go to the FBI and they buy it from you. Ding. Well, tell CBS News the FBI now owns the rights to the method it obtained from a third party. Hence, they can prevent Apple from ever learning it because it's no longer the property of that public company. This, this exploit is now owned by the FBI, which means it is going to be available to other law enforcement agencies. The FBI is going to start unlocking those phones. But, 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 Chris, doesn't this only affect like up to 5S, basically? We don't know what exploit they're using, but likely, but that's still a crap ton of phones on the market. Right. And this this exploit is... But it's not going to stop them from still going through the legal channels of, you know, because I was reading earlier today about there's still like, what, 70 cases pending using the All Writs Act. Uh, more than that, but yeah. Yeah, in most states, you know, both Android and Google. Correct. So it's it's not like, oh, this is an open and shut thing. Right. No, I would say now that those those cases have a solid avenue to get access to the phone if they right. go through. Right. That's the thing. Investigators bypassed its security to access the phone. A government official tells CBS News the FBI now owns the rights to the method it obtained from a third party. USA Today finds many more locked devices in other criminal cases. The paper reports state and local investigators have been blocked. 1,000 locked devices in limbo. From ex- accessing the contents of the more than a 1,000 devices. CBS News legal expert Ricky Kleeman is here. We should add that. Now, uh, do you remember uh, a while back we were talking about uh, we, we were we were playing some clips, or we were at least quoting uh, a law official, a law enforcement official, who really wanted this to go through because they need to get access to these phones. He was from New York. Right. Uh, he was a high level law official, and he was really coming out hard, saying, "Yeah, man, once that precedent is set, I'm going after these iPhones because uh, we got terrorists here in New York." And he was really pushing hard. Uh, well, meet his wife. Ricky is the wife of New York oh. City Police Commissioner Bill Bratton. Proudly so. He has called on <laughs> Apple to help law enforcement access cell phones. Ricky, good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, I speak the truth, do I not? You do. So I think <laughs> maybe, maybe, that, maybe this is one of the reasons why Charlie has been so aggressively against this case, why Charlie's been so pro-FBI, DOJ, so anti-privacy, so anti-citizens. Why care about the little people when, when, when you work with one of the elites? Law enforcement access Cell phone. Tricky, good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, I speak the truth, do I not? Um, you do indeed. And we should always remember I'm the lawyer. Um, I was exactly the criminal right. defense lawyer. You, you, let me make that clear. Indeed. Let us, uh, <laughs> and then he bows his head to her there. Did you yeah, see how yeah, Charlie I, I was. Just, bow, yeah, yes. Yes, I'm, ma'am. I'm, yes, just, ma'am. I'm just pointing that out. I mean, maybe, maybe it's nothing. It could maybe be. it's nothing. But it seems like maybe this gal is a pretty intense figure. And uh, Charlie is interested in being good friends. Look at that. Look at that stare. Okay, I'm just putting that out there. (laughs) The wife of New York City Police Commissioner Bill Bratton, proudly so, he has called on Apple to help law enforcement access cell phones. Ricky, good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, I speak the truth, do I not? You do indeed, and we should always remember I'm the lawyer. Um, I was the criminal defense lawyer. Let me make that clear. Indeed, that is a point well taken. Before we talk about what happens in other cases, tell our audience exactly what happened. The FBI... Had somehow got a hacker somewhere 
could Correct. come and show them how they could get Woo! inside this the phone that we believed before then that only Apple could get inside. Well, yes, but we have to also remember that whoever, quote unquote, the hacker is, is it a government agency? Is it a foreign government agency? Is it a company? Is it three guys from MIT in a basement with candy wrappers? Is it John McAfee? With, with candy wrappers. I know she's 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 one of those people. Are they playing Call of Duty? Yeah, it, World of Warcraft would be the better stereotype. Yep, she's yeah. one of those people. You look also, you can notice as she's listing off on her fingers and counting, you notice as she's looking down her note cards. There. Of course. Is it a government agency? Is it a foreign government agency? Is it a company? Is it three guys from MIT in a basement with candy wrappers all over? We don't know. And who the government did is it. not telling, not even Apple, how they did it. Correct. And what's happening here, Charlie, is both um, Apple going too fast with one case when they then hmm. enticed people all around the world to say, I can get into this phone. So almost going to court. Be- now, hold on. Oh, I know where she's going on this. And so that's, yeah. she said, so what she just said, I want to play it. People all around the world. They enticed people. Let me, let me. Is both um, Apple. Go- OK, so Apple going too fast with one case when they then enticed people all around the world. So Apple went too fast with one case, so they enticed people all around the world. You know what's funny about that statement? And I mean, I must be wrong because, after all, she's an expert. Uh, But if I recall, Apple requested the DOJ that this be kept private and under wraps. They actually didn't want the case publicly disclosed. And the case didn't start when Apple posted a blog post. The case had been going on for months, I believe two, before everyone went public in private. The FBI chose to take it public because they were using the San Bernardino case and they expected overwhelming public support. It wasn't Apple playing fast and loose. It was the FBI playing with the hearts and emotions of the American public over a terrorism attack. And then, of course, people came out of the woodwork. This is interesting spin already immediately out of the gate. Correct. And what's happening here, Charlie, is both um, Apple going too fast with one case when they then enticed people all around the world to say, I can get into this phone. So almost going to court became a challenge that was put out there. They put down the gauntlet. As if it was Apple's choice to go to court. As if it was Apple's choice to take it public. This is incredible. And they got what they wanted practically. Did they get what they want legally? Not at all. So... Go ahead. I was just going to say, but is we're talking about this. Do they have to now? Do the FBI? Do they have to say who did this? When you said it could have been anyone, are they required to tell Apple? Well, the FBI uh, could be very smart about this. They could have the information classified. If they have the information classified, they certainly not only do not have to turn it over; they cannot turn it over. And if I were betting on this, the FBI is not going to want to cooperate with the Apple, Samsungs, Googles of the world and say this is how we got in. Because once they do it for Apple, like she just said, they got to do it for all of them. So, of course, the FBI is not going to play along. Apple, Samsung's Googles of the world and say this is how we got in unless there's a quid pro quo. Apple has been strong. Apple says, OK, we want to know. And I don't think that the FBI is going to give it to them. Remember this. This is a 5C phone. 
with an iOS operating system uh, of seven. So what you have here is that now they've gone to the six. They've gone to the success. And Apple okay. will continue to encrypt farther and farther in order to prevent the government. So for the other devices, what's going to happen? Well, I think that the government would be wise to choose which is the next case they go to court with. It's one thing to go to court as they have in the federal court in Brooklyn with a drug case. I don't think that gets people too excited about it. Well, that is still in progress. About the government getting into a phone. Does it's it hurt in- their credibility? That I they think said they needed Apple to do it. And then it turns out they didn't. Yes, yes, of course, it hurts their credibility because then it's crying wolf. So every court is going to say, well, you told us once you couldn't. But there's get one in. other thing so, here we're, we're not talking about. And the thing we're not talking about is and we will never know. Oh, if the cell phone actually had anything. Right. Of course, they won't be able to tell you immediately because, well, if we had any leads on there, we have to play them out. And uh, we wouldn't want to uh, jeopardize those investigations by disclosing them. Exactly. And then, of course, by then the public will forget. And down the road, we will never find out if there was any actual information on their work phone. Right. probably was. No. It's interesting going through this. And it might be in the supporters thing still. There's clips where people on Fox News are speculating about all of the treasures in this phone that will change the ballgame. Now, why should we believe you? Why don't we let you try to do it again? Again, and people do believe in the tech world. That- so uh, honestly, we all saw what was happening over the weekend before uh, they put postponed the, their case originally with Apple. Uh, the case was falling apart around them, and it was looking like the All Writs Act was going to be called into question, uh-huh. and they didn't want to set that precedent. Nope. Everything that's encrypted could somehow be unencrypted. Choose the case wisely if you're the government, because terrorism is much more strong than a drug case. And hackers are a smart bunch. Very smart. Dedicated. But terrorism Thank is more strong. Wait for more deaths. What, uh, what, the, uh, what does, that, what does hacks, hackers being smart? So she's talking about terrorists. Right. And then he throws in hackers like the drug case. And hackers are a smart bunch. Well, like that's like, like, they're, like they're equivalent to terrorism? Very smart. Dedicated. Thank you very much, Ricky Clement. That is so weird, right? Yeah. So there you go. There you go. And then one last, uh, one last little ISIS uh, tech, technology-related type thing. ISIS recruiting. It's big. It's bad. It's coming in over your phone. All right. So ISIS not backing down on its attempt to recruit mass murderers just a week after the deadly terror attacks in Brussels. The terror group sending a text message to a young Belgian Muslim. She must have meant a super encrypted custom program message developed by ISIS for communicating jihad. Urging him to, quote, join us in the fight and make good choices in your life, they said. This is the search continues for the third suspect on the right-hand side of your screen. I like that they're just using text messages. We'll just keep that in the bank there. Hey, uh, Chase, before we go on in the show, could you describe a little theater of the mind to the people? uh, What did it look like behind the Jupiter Broadcasting Studio, say, three months ago? Three months ago? Or maybe, say, a year ago. Oh, some trees. Pretty nice little uh, nature patch. Yeah, nature there was patch. A, like a, there was like a ditch gully thing out there. Yeah, some woods. Yeah, some bushes. Some yeah. uh, um, ivy. Yeah. Now, uh, how would you describe it? Say three months ago. Uh, it's you know yeah well the, it was a dormant state because of yeah. winter time. Yeah. Some of the trees had fallen down yeah. from the wind, but it wasn't yeah. awful. Yeah, right? It wasn't terrible. No, it's still like a nature preserve. Yeah, now, it looked uh, nice. How would you describe it right now, Chase? I see a wall. I see a fence and uh, just dirt. Uh, there is. And what's they, on top of that dirt, Chase? Uh, well, I can't really see. What oh, do you see over there? Looks Chase? like a road, almost. Yeah, yeah. They've been working on it for about a week now. And can you? Do you see that big Honeywell? Uh, I don't. I don't see. It there's a there. huge digger over there. So if you hear some noise in the background, they're literally working. Don't they realize that we're doing a show here for yeah, our patrons? If I, if I move, the, yeah, I know, right? 
Like, like they don't respect the patrons at all. Look, do you see it now? Oh yes. Do you can you see that guy over there? Hold on, hold on. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Look at look at that thing. You see? Wow. That's what's working out there right now. That is a huge. I, you, know, you know what I'm going to do is uh, because you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm gonna take, I'll take a picture of it and I'll post it do up. Do you know on... why they're doing it? No, man. I have no idea. It totally sucks. Here, you tell you describe what what I'm doing because I'm going to take a picture and I'll post it so people can oh, see. What so I'm talking so about. Chris is reaching over the the iMac right now, taking a picture out of the JB1 uh, studio window. And this huge digger is basically yeah. clearing the space. It's nuts. <sighs> it's it, it's totally harshing. So it's it it really it really sucks and it so. kicks up the dust and you're yeah, trying to and keep it's things loud. Cool. And I'm trying to yeah. do some shows, but thankfully, you know what? We have a we have a pretty awesome audience. We got a bunch of new supporters. Uh, Yay! And so I'm feeling pretty good uh, about our about our milestone. So so full disclosure. First off, next week. Oh yeah, thanks. Next yeah. week we're not going to be having a show, but yeah. we're going to be trying to push out a thirty-minute like clip, clip blitz special. kind of a thing. Right. I'm, uh, I, you know, something I have to be cognizant of as so I've been doing last now for ten years. Only ten years, huh? <laughs> only, uh, and filters getting you know uh, up there in, in in age two, and so one of the ways to keep it uh, to keep it literally sustainable for me for the long haul is uh, every now and then family has to come first. Just right. I have to, you know, I have to I have to walk that line and that balance. And uh, next week is uh, Dylan, uh, my son, who is in the first grade. It's like his first, like, official, legit spring wow. break. Yeah. So, yeah. We're going to pack up in Lady Jupiter and go on a little road trip. So we'll be so going. Is that the official name, Lady Jupiter? Lady Jupes. Yeah. Lady Jupes. Yeah. Okay. The Jupiter bang bus didn't really stick. <laughs> I thought you would call, like, a, a moon of Jupiter, like, a, give it a. A moon, dude? You no, know, one of the moons of oh, Jupiter. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, that's everybody does that. Uh, uh, yeah, everybody like does what that. IO or something, but yeah, everybody but, suggests that. I, Ju- I, I like the Jupiter. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man! So, anyways, yes, that there. You, so we will not have a show next week, and I really do feel bad. We won't, but hopefully we'll have like a clip blitz, depending on what producer Matt and I can get uh, put together uh, between now and then, which is kind of yes. hard to do uh, in that amount of time, just simply because uh, there's you know. It takes us a lot of work just to do one show. Oh, I bet. But patreon.com slash unfilter is doing extremely well, so I'm, I'm really motivated and going to do so, my best. So here's what I was going to say to that. Mm-hmm, Since we're mm-hmm. not doing a show next week, and uh, obviously April 1st is happening over the weekend, it actually gives you guys an extra, I would say, week plus to you know make sure that your credit cards are not expiring next month, to make sure that we stay above that $2,500 level, which right now it looks really good. Yeah, that's and, a good point. So we've been yes. waiting to reveal our secret plans uh, evil seeds. For, yeah, for a long time. But the problem is we keep bouncing on this on this line. And the problem is after after the cards charge, which is like actually like a day or two after April right. 1st, right? Yeah, so it's probably going to be like Monday or Tuesday they'll charge. And what uh, happens is people uh, – cards will drop off, uh, people cancel. And then what happens is that bar moves under the goal. <laughs> and when it moves under the goal, then we really hasn't – we haven't unlocked that next goal. So we want to make sure it's solid. Then we unlock that goal. We are doing really good. We got 461 patrons, and so I think we're going to do good on that milestone, which is great because that helps us start building momentum. Building, building, building momentum towards the next goals for this show. And so uh, I ask two things: uh, if you like what we're doing and, and you are enjoying this, getting some value and some information, making you think about things, or even if you don't agree with us at times, if you still find something worth listening to here, please consider supporting us over at Patreon.com/unfilter. Uh, Chase, remember yes, last Chris. week we needed a domain name. That's right. Uh, we, we had some great ideas. Some people were sharing them in the public. Producer Matt came up with a whammy. Now, I know we were going to go uh, do a poll on the uh, patron feed, and we well, still can. We, we, yeah, we were actually going to set up a post exclusive for patrons. 
We still can. Okay. However, yes. producer Matt came up with such a winner that I, w- I want to run it past you and just see if maybe this should just be our default winner. I don't say it out loud, so uh, just take a look over here, Chase. What do you think of that guy right there? Look at that. Huh? Dang bust on Jupiter? No, Chase! Oh, oh. Don't say it out loud. What do you think? What? I think that's brilliant. I know. The first part is good. The domain, I'm not... I don't know. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. The top level, you're saying, huh? I Yeah. The, the Yeah. I, I like the first part, but I don't know about the okay. second part. Okay. All right. All right. We'll work it. All right. So we're going to put up for and votes. And I'll give you my thoughts after the show okay. when we're not recording So I might still need it. to go up for votes. So yeah. uh, once we clear uh, the, uh, the the April milestone of, of, of the payments going through- but it's good. And we remain above the uh, secret, uh, secret milestone- uh, then we have something that I'm really excited that's going to bring uh, involvement of our patrons up. Uh, it's going to require like domain this. name. I like and, this. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be but, good. But but now I know what that unlocking is, regardless of the domain. Not, not no. totally. It's, it's only a component of it. That's what's so right. great. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, only, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that – see, but that's good, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can build on that. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I pa- still like the bangbus.jupiter. Patreon.com slash unfilter to keep us going, support this show, and get the supporter sync where we got a whole bunch of great clips up in that biz. Uh, and by the way, if you want to see a picture of that machine that's been digging – uh, you can find actually now that I now that I posted I well no well you know what are you now, back to the iPhone again now by that the I, way? dude I what do you mean back to I thought you had uh, the the uh, what you call it what are you the, talking uh, about what are you uh, talking the about? galaxy uh, I gave that to Rikai because his phone busted so there oh, you can kind of see there's the digger in the background there's the digger in the yeah, background there you go uh, all right Chase moving right along it's time to shift into that nice light topic of terrorism of Terror. course we got to get into that it is time and let's start off with a new strategy to destroy ISIS I like to ISIL, st- by the way uh, when we go out into terrorism, you know, I like to start here at the homeland. Here in Washington, lawmakers are demanding an even more muscular White House strategy. To- a muscular, muscular White that's, House. That's not, uh, that's not sexist. That's not like, when I hear muscular. Women can be muscular too, I know Chris. they can, but it sounds, it sounds like they're trying to imply something else without implying it. It sounds like they're to trying. Defeat and destroy ISIS. President Obama insists it's his number one priority, oh, but also says one. it's a huge challenge. It's challenging to find, identify very small groups of people who are willing to die themselves and can walk into a crowd and detonate a bomb. One lawmaker says it could take U.S. ground forces in direct combat with ISIS fighters to stop the attacks both in the Middle East and around the globe. Montana Republican Ryan Zinke, former Navy SEAL, serves on the House Armed Services Committee, joins us now. So, Congressman, we have these two headlines that have come out this week, the horrible attacks in Belgium, and then also word that some of our special forces guys have gotten the ISIS number two. Uh, Does this mean we're winning against ISIS or they're just continuing uh, to beat us? Well, there's positive steps. And obviously, when you eliminate leadership, that's a good thing. So let's stop here because I think we need to move forward a little bit. But I like the idea. Let's go and send some uh, boots on the ground. Make yeah. sure we get them in there. Get them down there. The problem is, is we have yeah. this weird problem whenever we send boots on the ground. And I don't know if you knew this, Chase. And of course, as always, uh, we should plug because we don't mention it very often. But we do have ourselves some lovely show notes with lots of links, links to things that we talk about. Sometimes we'll just uh, we'll just like say something and be like, where, where, where are they getting that from? Well, it turns out we have a link in the show notes that backs it up if you hear us say things. Like maybe you've heard us say things like the Pentagon is going to try again. 
at training Syrian They're rebels. They're going to do it again. President Obama has just recently, as of this is this was reported on March 17th at the LA Times, President Obama has authorized a limited new plans to train and arm rebel fighters to confront the Islamic State in Syria. So while, oh, hi there, while I, John Kerry is sitting there having peace talks, Obama is signing to, financing yep, dial it up. to send yep. more troops in to train more soldiers to fight. And you know the funny thing about that, Chase? Huh. What's that? Maybe things would be a little more effective if our own guys weren't fighting each other all the time. Even with the Syrian government making significant gains against ISIS, the U.S. continues to face difficulties coordinating their own allied forces against the Islamic State. While the Pentagon is arming fighters in an overt effort to counter the Islamic State, the CIA is backing militias in a separate covert effort aimed at pressuring the Assad government to the negotiating table. So two efforts, to be clear, one which is completely a covert op by the CIA and one by the Pentagon, not efforted together. Oh, they're not like, and they're not like, you know, merc- they're not working together. They're not like U.S. troops or something. They are these these crazy psychopaths that they have these wind up dolls. They've lost control. They wound them up and they're gone off and they're psychopaths. And then they're going out. These are our moderates. And then they're guess what? Shooting at each other. To discuss this in depth, I'm joined by investigative historian and author Eric Zeus. Eric, thanks for being here. It's interesting, the fact that the U.S. is arming these groups in Syria that are using weapons provided by the U.S. and actually using them against each other. It is completely illogical. What does this say about the U.S. involvement? And is this going to lead to just more destabilization in the region? So two different groups backed by the U.S. separately are shooting each other with U.S. supplied weapons and arms. Isn't that something? And uh, this has been going on for a while now. This guy, Eric here, uh, give him a minute. He, he starts out a little shaky. Uh, it's a little rough. But the information he conveys, I think, is pretty solid. And I invite you to listen closely, even though it does start a little bumpy. Well, you know, going back to the 1950s, the United States government um, has been attempting to break up Syria into several uh, ethnic enclaves, that is to say, Alawite uh, in one area, um, Sunni in another, Kurd in another. We've talked about this, remember? And Druze in the far south. And this plan, uh, this plan literally goes back to the 50s. Uh, this is an old plan. Actually, was drawn up in 1957 by Kim Roosevelt, who headed the coup that overthrew the Mossadegh government in, uh, in Iran. But it's only now being really put into practice under the Obama administration. Which shows you the incredible patience the federal government and continuity of government that the United States can have, that a plan that was concocted back in the 50s is continued and followed and finally executed in President Obama's presidency. That wow. is really... 60 that, years. That's really... That is really something about... That wow. is some continuity. I mean, that shows you what the continuity of the Pentagon and the strategies that we are seeing now... Uh, play out. The situations we are seeing now play out are the results of meddling and and world politics that go back. Really, uh, you can trace, I mean, you can trace so much of this to that overthrow of the government in Iran in the 50s. It's really incredible and it's fascinating to see it. I'll go back to that. So it, it it's part of the effort to break up Syria. So 
some officials are going on background saying that this is um, something where they're trying to be on the ground, forging relationships, and that it's a very complicated issue. But you're saying that this is not a mistake, that they are actually doing this to break up these factions. It's destabilization with the intent to uh, break up Syria into enclaves so that there will be a clear Sunni area in which can be built one pipeline for getting uh, Saudi gas, Saudi oil. In- is this not exactly what we said like a year yep, ago? Yep. Is this not exactly what we said it's a year exactly. ago? Yeah. In which can be built one pipeline for getting uh, Saudi gas, Saudi oil into Europe and, the, and another pipeline for getting uh, Qatari gas into Qatari gas. Now, isn't it interesting? Hmm. Because we have seen so much of the video production and yep. the reporting about ISIS come out of there. ISIS. And yeah, sorry, IS. And so yet now we realize that they would be one of the countries benefiting from the split up. And the question I would have is where is this oil going? Where does all this oil these pipelines are delivering to and why does it matter so much? Why is it worth so much effort? Because you are securing fundamentally the energy pipelines for one of the world's largest oil markets. Sorry, oil into Europe and, the, and another pipeline for getting uh, Qatari gas into Europe so as to reduce the market share uh, that uh, Russia now enjoys in the world's largest energy market, which is the European market. So it's about Russia. It's about oil pipelines. Yeah. It's about screwing Russia yeah. out of their current moneymaker, which is the European market. It's about – it's still about world politics with Russia. It's still about oil. It's about pipelines. It's to reduce the market share uh, that uh, Russia now enjoys in the world's largest energy market, which is the European market. Now, meanwhile, all the time that you're saying this, the U.S. is supposed to be at the table negotiating these peace deals, these ceasefires. But just this month, President Obama authorized a new Pentagon plan to train and arm more Syrian rebels and relaunch a program that had previously failed after setbacks, which involved uh, U.S. recruits being ambushed and handing over their U.S. ammunition. Does it seem like the U.S. is going to find another approach besides saturating Syria with our own weapons? Are they actually going to try to find peace here? Well, no, that's not uh, what the U.S. government (laughs) has has been trying to do ever since. Well, let's talk about going back to the end of the Soviet Union and the transition to Russia and, of course, in 1991, the breakup of the Warsaw Pact, which was not met on the other side by a breakup of the NATO alliance, uh, which would have been appropriate in 1991, and it certainly is appropriate today. But the United States has continued ever since the end of the Soviet Union to try to essentially conquer uh, Russia. The, The United States had a very, very strong influence in Russia before Putin came into power. But since he came into power, uh, that direction of increased U.S. control of Russia has reversed, and the United States government is extremely disturbed at that. 
Well, we'll reiterate, there are two different groups on the ground in Syria right now that are armed by different factions of the U.S. that are now fighting each other on the ground. Eric Zeus, investigative journalist and author, thank you for your time. Obviously, that's RT. Uh, but yeah. everything that man said rings true to me. Oh, and yeah. You can even just as a, as a U.S. citizen, you've noticed since Putin's come into power, uh, the message about Russia has changed dramatically. Oh, yeah. The ultimate show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. So uh, I want to just cover a little bit of the Brussels attack uh, just to make a little bit of a follow up on also just a sort of meta analysis of the media's continued coverage here. Well, some analysts say that the terror attacks in Paris and Brussels could just be the beginning. Man, I've been hearing that a lot. I've been hearing that a lot. In fact, I've been hearing we could see something every month. They're really pushing it. So much speculation about more attacks. ISIS has trained at least 400 fighters who are spreading throughout Europe. That's according to the Associated Press. Each terror cell has been given a green light to choose the time, the place, the method, all of that for maximum carnage. The growing threats posing a major challenge for the European Union and its open borders policy. What do you think of that, Chase? Boy, you, you know, we're going to see more stuff. Well, sure, we're going to see things because it, it, right now it's being so you know uh, advertised in the media and being covered so much by mm-hmm. by a big thick stick is generating hype. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah so yeah. totally. So this is this is the time. Yeah. You know, when you're ISIS yeah. and ISIL and you want to generate these things, yeah. you even a small attack will get big coverage. Now, this next story is fairly interesting. Not seen a ton of coverage on it, but something's going on in Turkey. No, I don't mean they're helping out ISIS more. I mean, the U.S. is evacuating people. The United States government has made an order for the removal of U.S. personnel and their families out of southern Turkey. The U.S. State Department and Department of Defense are citing security fears as the reason. This announcement arrives ahead of a visit to Washington by Turkish President Recep Erdogan to attend a nuclear security summit. Correspondent Manny Rapolo is standing by in the RT newsroom with the very latest. Manny, what are the details of this order and how many people are going to be affected? Right. Well, both the U.S. State Department and the Pentagon have ordered the families of military personnel as well as foreign service officers to leave their posts in southern Turkey. The U.S. government has cited, quote, increased threats from terrorist groups. That's what they're saying is the motivation for the order. General Philip Breedlove, he's the head of the U.S. military's European command. He said that the decision to move families and civilians was made in consultation with the Turkish government and the State Department, as well as the U.S. Secretary of Defense. But I want to read you the statement provided by the U.S. military's European command. This says, quote, we understand this is disruptive to our military families, but we must keep them safe and ensure the combat effectiveness of okay. our forces to support our strong <laughs> ally Turkey in the fight against terrorism. Now, as far as how many uh, American citizens we're talking about, that number's in the hundreds, possibly uh, over a thousand individuals. Ooh. The U.S. has a major air base in the Big. city of Adana in southern Turkey. The Interlake Air Base is home to about 5,000 U.S. personnel Hey-o. as well as their families. The State Department also happens to have a consulate in the office of Adana. They've warned any American citizens there to leave due to the, quote, increased threats from terrorist groups. This order applies, uh, it goes beyond Adana, but it also affects other regions of Turkey, including the uh, Izmir and Mughla provinces. It seems that uh, that this is over the, the, the security situation in Turkey, which is continuing to deteriorate. There have been five attacks in the country since October of last year. The latest attack was on March 20th in Istanbul, where a suicide bomber targeted a tourist group. 
Now, Manny, you touched on this, but Turkey really provides critical support for the U.S. and NATO in their regional operations. So how significant is this order to remove dependence of U.S. personnel? Well, it's a significant announcement. It, it follows a meeting that took place on Monday between Secretary of State John Kerry and the Turkish foreign minister. They were discussing how to disrupt extremist groups along the Turkey-Syria border. But mm-hmm. as far as sending the families of U.S. service members home, uh, that itself will not likely affect U.S. and NATO operations. But you make a good point. Turkey's uh, Injerlik Air Base, for example, it's a really important base in the region. There's two other bases in Izmir and Mugla that provide support for U.S. and NATO troops as well. Turkey's a critical piece of the puzzle for the U.S. and NATO in launching uh, counterterror counterterrorism operations in the region. But uh, one last thing to point out here is that President Erdogan of Turkey is scheduled to meet with President Obama at the 2016 Nuclear Security Summit. Interesting how Turkey doesn't actually get very much coverage, don't you think, since they are actually a rather important... Yeah, I mean, if, they're, if we're hanging out with them... Yeah, and... we're hanging out. Yeah, we're hanging yeah, out. Right. We're hanging out. Yeah. Uh, I got a little... Ca- uh, this is funny. I don't... It's coming from the RT Raw footage, so it's a little rough. Look, at here comes Putin. He's meeting with John Kerry, and uh, Putin, like the good spy, he's very observant. So they're sitting at the table, and Putin is, uh, he's speaking to John Kerry, and uh, there's a translator who speaks up here in a moment. Uh, But today when I saw the footage of you going down the plane carrying your luggage, I was a bit frustrated and upset. So he notices John Kerry is carrying his own luggage down the plane. He says, you know, I'm a little frustrated. I'm a little upset about that. On the one hand, it's quite a democratic way of conduct. But on the other hand, I thought probably the situation in the United States is not that good. And there is no one to assist Secretary of State. And he thought maybe they couldn't afford an assistant, is what he oh, said. Oh, jeez. Carrying his luggage. <laughs> but then your economic situation is pretty good, I hear. But I, I, I hear your economy is okay and there are no... Uh, then I thought, now listen to this, and watch Kerry. Kerry essentially acknowledges the thing Putin is about to say. There was something in that case of yours, in the brief case of yours, you couldn't trust anyone else with. You see what you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, said, he says he not said yes. Well, you brought some money with you. You brought some money to haggle, to haggle, yeah. to haggle. <laughs> on key matters. But uh, in earnest, we are really glad to see you. Well, Mr. President, thank you. Uh, when we have a private moment, I'll show you what's in my briefcase. Hey now! <laughs> And I think you, uh, what did he say? Hold on, what did he say there? Because that was a good line too. Hold on there. And, and I think you'll be surprised. <laughs> I think you'll be surprised. Pleasantly. Pleasantly. It is money! <laughs> it is totally money, dude. Bling, bling. Isn't that great? I like it. You know what? I like it. So speaking of presidents and whatnot, let's talk about Hill Dog. Uh, and uh, Hill Dog's was uh she wasn't out here campaigning in Washington but You mean Secretary Clinton, Chris. Right. right. What did I say? Hey, you said Hill Dog. Yeah, I'm not my Secretary Hill Dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so uh, <laughs> she didn't come. Just to trying w- to be proper, Chris. She knew she wasn't going to win out here, so she didn't come herself. But she sent Bill out. No, she did come out. Oh, okay. So this she was, did. Interesting, you say that because I thought so too. We're going to play a report in a moment that I believe that says she did. And what? I thought, but I knew Bill did. No, she she was actually uh, she was Everett on the west, and, right? And Bill was in the east. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, anyways, the clip's going to contradict counterdict that here in a moment. But uh, anyways, so but they said some stuff about Barry while they're out here. Oh, remember well, that? We, we know what Bill said. Yeah, Bill said that last eight years was a horrible legacy or something like that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I want to play a little bit of this because it's it, they, they point out that the dog is sort of stepping away from Barry while at the same time trying to pretend like she's a big fan so that way he doesn't throw her ass in jail over the email stuff. Bernie Sanders is definitely preaching to the choir on this Good Friday in a Pacific Northwest known for its liberal politics. Hillary Clinton is outsourcing her message these days, keeping it all in the family and keeping her distance from her old boss. Correspondent Peter Ducey has the story. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama as close as can be. That's how one conservative super PAC wants voters to think about the Democratic frontrunner. But now the former secretary is dancing away from the president, sending daughter Chelsea to the stump to decry the high costs of Obamacare and to explain how her mom can help with tax credits or executive action. She thinks either of those um, will help solve the challenge of kind of the crushing costs that still exist for too many people who even are part of the Affordable Care Act and buying insurance. Attacks on the Democratic incumbent are becoming a family affair for the Clintons this week. On Monday... Bill Clinton said the last eight years have been a, quote, awful legacy. Uh-huh. Now the candidate is doing damage control on a late-night comedy show. And we are both very proud supporters of President Obama, but what it was was the recognition was, was. that President Obama, who I think doesn't get the credit he deserves for getting as much done. Yeah. So she says they're huge fans, right? They're huge fans. <laughs> That's still, I know. They're, they're, they're huge fans, and then... And then she stops again to praise him. She's she wants to really publicly. She's really going out of her way to make sure uh, that everybody understands what's up. Uh, President Obama, who I think doesn't get the credit he deserves for getting as much done <laughs> in our country, has faced this implacable wall of hostility from the Republicans. You know that implacable wall of hostility from the Republicans. Yeah. Uh, you think if Obama got it bad, can you imagine how she would get it? Oh boy. It would be it would be a holy war. Implacable wall of hostility from the Republicans. Tomorrow there are three Democratic contests: Washington State, Hawaii, and Alaska. And Clinton isn't campaigning at all in any of those states. See? Not true. Isn't that weird? This must have been pre-recorded today. But Bernie Sanders is, courting voters and calling for an investigation into the hours-long lines seen at some polling. So uh, you got uh, so you got uh, uh, the uh, the Bernie sweep here on those three states, right? Yep. And uh, I, I had margins, by the way, huge I, margins. I had local reporters on the ground, four of them going yeah. to do the caucusing, and all of the caucusing on the Democrat side handily went to, to Bernie. Oh yeah. Lots of people were saying he's not electable. People said that even once he got in, he wouldn't be able to do the stuff that he's claiming because he'd get blocked. And people were saying that, uh, you know, he was too old or something like that. But for the most part, by a majority, majority m- m- amount, oh, it was going to Bernie. Because yeah. that's not too surprising for Washington. No. I mean, the funny thing, though, is they went for Obama, you know, during the 08 election, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one of those situations, or 12, I should say. Um, no, it was 08 when he was first, uh, you know, going out there. But the funny thing is, it's like, well, you would figure, all right, well, they would go for Hillary because she was second best, right? But no, it's actually the the the, the spread is even worse 
Like, right. it's even worse this time around. Yep, yep, yep. So that's that's that is semi interesting. Although yeah. that's all the only thoughts I really have on. If you have any, no, not really. I mean, obviously, you know, he's got a huge uphill to climb on this. And you know, the one thing that's always bugged me is you know the whole super delegate situation and how they're intentionally reporting those numbers. Uh, to try to steer, you know, the, the establishment. Obviously, we still have the. Uh, I don't know if we have anything to cover on the FBI email probe situation. That's next. Okay, I mean that's one of those huge things that is still looming over her head that she's trying to laugh off and trying to laugh off and trying to laugh off. But this is a serious situation, and she probably will be forced to testify. Eh, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm thinking. I'm thinking the dog can get out of this. I'm thinking she's gonna. I think. I'm oh thinking, yeah, because they all. They, it's in the bag, right? Yeah, I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking she's savvy enough to get out of that. I'm still not too worried about. It. I do think it is becoming an anchor that is dragging her down a bit and make her makes her look like a the worst thing about it now is it's making her look like a you know a, a politician. It's exposing her for being a typical politician. Right. Interesting note about that email server. Uh, she was warned not to do it, it turns out. More disturbing news for Clinton about the email scandal. It turns out her State Department underlings tried to warn her about the dangers of using an unsecured email system, but Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harridge tells us Clinton may not have bothered to listen. We learned that your emails are very boring. <laughs> this is really top secret stuff. Uh, While Mrs. You know, Clinton made jokes on late night TV about her use of a private email account to conduct official government business, congressional investigators tell Fox News that then Secretary of State Clinton skipped a cybersecurity briefing in 2011. <gasps> that was the same year Clinton sent this cable warning the entire State Department staff against using personal accounts because of the severe hacking threat. Especially in a leadership position, you need to be out front leading, changing behavior, driving policy. Uh, but when people see that even the principals are skipping the briefing, then it becomes very hard to enforce that on the others. That's such shit. Yeah. The principals are busy and they have a lot of demands on their time and they don't have time for that crap. They often probably skip that. This congressional letter to Secretary Kerry asked the State Department to declassify the 2011 cyber briefing. Quote, although the PowerPoint indicates the briefing was for former Secretary Clinton, we understand from the testimony of the briefers that she was not in attendance. The State Department spokesman had no information on the skip session, but said there are consequences when cybersecurity and classified information training are not completed. It's considered mandatory. I don't know the specifics of this case. Um, not so much punishment, but you know, access to computers, that kind of thing, uh, might be affected. At a recent debate, Clinton claimed no rules or laws were broken. It was not prohibited. There was no permission to be asked. But new emails released by the federal courts, including this exchange from February 2009, challenged Clinton's claim that she did not use her personal account until the following month, two months into her term as secretary. With Mrs. Clinton, it's catch me if you can on her email. Now we know there are emails that weren't turned over uh, that may still be out there, whether it be in the State Department system or in her system. There was no comment from the Clinton campaign for our reporting on the skipped cybersecurity brief, nor the State Department records confirming the classified information training was completed. Shannon. Catherine Harridge, thank you. It's probably BS anyways. Uh, uh, so I find that to be kind of interesting because now we have an example of some essentially harmless information for national security, but damaging information for Google and creepy, creepy 
creepy. Did you catch this story? Mm. Revealed by Hillary Clinton's email. Now this fresh embarrassment from Hillary Clinton's email vault from her time as the U.S. Secretary of State. New documents have been released which suggest that Google asked the State Department for guidance over an app that could boost the Syrian opposition. The tech giant was developing it in partnership with Al Jazeera. Live now to our Washington correspondent, Yannick. So let's just Whoa. totally, let's soak in the, the grossness here. So you've got Google emailing the State Department. Uh, by the way, like Hillary Clinton's like uh, direct report or second direct report, the one of Google's head product guys emailing them directly because apparently they just exchange emails uh, asking for guidance. Plus, Google is establishing a business relationship with Al Jazeera, a par- supposedly independent media. And get ready for this. It gets even worse. Gianni, you can tell us more. Um, Gianni, what more do we know then? Andrew, in the emails, we see evidence of cooperation between Google and the U.S. State Department with the goal of trying to oust Bashar Assad of Syria. The emails are from 2012. The head of Google Ideas at the time wrote this to Clinton's team. They got a little, uh, for those of you listening, it's like a little graphic up here. Boom, 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 boom. So the guy's name is Jared Cohen. Google Ideas founder. Yeah. And he's an ex-State Department person. Ah, uh-huh. I didn't catch that the first yeah. time. Deputy Secretary Burns, Jake Alec. Please keep close hold, but my team is planning to launch a tool that will publicly track and map the defections in Syria. So the, the, guy, the Google Ideas guy has a team who's working on a tool to publicly track defections. Now, why track defections? Why would you... Our logic behind this is that nobody is visually representing and mapping the defections, which we believe are important. An interesting idea, but extremely creepy that Google is even meddling. These are literally state affairs. The world's largest uh, search corporation that probably knows the most about users on the internet out of any company in the world is using what it knows to literally nudge affairs of state. That's creepy. Buddies visually representing and mapping the defections, which we believe are important in encouraging more to defect. And they literally had the intention to encourage. So they are literally with the intention here to make a government fall. I right or wrong. That is really they're getting heavily involved and mapping the defections, which we believe are important in encouraging more to defect and giving confidence to the opposition. Oh, we're partnering with Al Jazeera. We're partnering this voiceover guy. We're, now, this is where it gets really disgusting. They're not just partnering with Al Jazeera. You might be wondering why you never heard of this tool. You might be thinking to yourself, oh, it must have never taken off. It must have not been widely used. Oh, no, no. No, it was very widely used. It took off. They just never took credit for it. Who will take primary ownership? Al Jazeera claimed ownership over the tool. Google was never revealed as the people behind the actual tool. And giving confidence to the opposition. We're partnering with Al Jazeera, who will take primary ownership. Please keep this very close hold. And let me know if there's anything else you think we need to account for or think about. By the way, you can go over to WikiLeaks. We have a, we'll have a link in the show notes, the entire email database. If it's not in this week's, it's in the last week's. You can find these in WikiLeaks because they've posted these. Before we launch. So then Clinton's deputy chief of staff, Jacob Sullivan... For your information, this is a pretty cool idea. To H. To Hillary. Yeah, he forwards it to Hillary. 
Hillary Clinton sends to Monica, not Lewinsky. Please print. So she has a printed out version of this email thread. Or had. So Google went on to create this interactive tool that would track and map defections within the Assad government, believing that this would have a powerful psychological impact in Syria. But to deliver this blow to the Assad government, Google wrote to the State Department that it would have Al Jazeera take primary ownership of the tool. Al Jazeera did exactly that, listed the interactive map on its website and even received an award for the best technical innovation. Exactly. For the very tool that Google created. They even accept an award for it. Wow. Isn't that some nuts? They even accepted the award. (laughs) Al Jazeera is taking on a tool that was specifically created to, quote unquote, encourage more defections in Syria is not the only thing that raises questions. These emails show that State Department officials apparently didn't mind getting the media company involved in that way. Moreover, one of the officials actually forwarded this whole proposal to Hillary Clinton with a note, this is a pretty cool idea. Publicly, though, U.S. officials always call on the media to be unbiased and not to take sides. We see uh, you know, the, the independent media uh, as a hallmark of uh, democratic and civil society around the world. A country without a free and independent press has nothing to brag about free and independent media. Uh, It's one of the pillars of a strong uh, democracy. What we don't see in the emails is whether Al Jazeera knew that the U.S. State Department approved of Google's idea of creating this defection tracker. But what the emails do suggest is that everybody was on board with the idea of toppling that? Isn't that interesting? Wow. So, uh, and the other thing in context of this that I find to be really kind of fascinating, and the uh, Clintons, Bill uh, Bill uh, out on the uh, campaign trail, even kind of semi-recently, has been uh, very, very positive on Al Jazeera. And Hillary Clinton herself in the past has been very positive while she was Secretary of State, which I find to be fascinating. The most technologically advanced country in the world. So slowly but surely, we've been trying to take back the airwaves in Afghanistan against Taliban with the most primitive kind of communication equipment. Now, take that as one example where I don't think we were very competitive and we have worked like crazy to change that. And then go to the most extreme where you've got a global, a set of global networks that Al Jazeera has been the the leader in that are literally changing people's minds and attitudes. And like it or hate it, it is really effective. And in fact, viewership of Al Jazeera is going up in the United States because it's real news. You may not agree with it, but you feel like you're getting real news around the clock instead of a million commercials and, you know, arguments between talking heads and the kind of stuff that we do on our news, which, you know, is not particularly informative to us, let alone foreigners. Isn't that interesting? And meanwhile, uh, way, uh, meanwhile Al Jazeera is a folding chair. Yes, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Meanwhile, meanwhile, they know they're cooking the books on some of the news. Isn't that something? It Isn't feels, it? Yeah, it goes down smooth, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It's a real nice little tasty treat. Uh, by the way, if you are an unfiltered supporter, you can watch the extended version of all of the clips we've covered. A little bit of campaign coverage as we go on. Yes. If you wouldn't mind, we haven't done Trump for a little while. And uh, boy, is 
he has taken the news headlines right away from Ted Cruz's eight affairs. Let's and make America great it's, again. It's back on Good Trump. evening. Donald Trump, Trump is standing by his man tonight, even though his man, campaign manager Corey Lewandowski, has been charged with battery Whoops. against a reporter. It began as a he said, she said, when reporter Michelle Fields claimed Lewandowski manhandled her at a campaign event. He denied it and said she was delusional. But then there is the tale of the tape, and police say what they saw on that tape was real, leaving the architect of Trump's bid for the White House in hot water and bolstering concerns about the tone and climate of this campaign. So he is, he has dominated, plus he made comments about abortion recently, which he's already retracted within a few hours. Uh, he has really taken the news headlines away from Ted Cruz. Uh, and one of the other things that's making people talk is he's sort of, uh, well, he's crossed off another one of uh, Mr. Chase's Red Book predictions. Uh, I want to ask you a question that I asked to Senator Cruz as well. More than six months ago, you pledged oh to support... Oh my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper, everybody! Yeah, Anderson! Uh, so if we check the Red Book, I do believe Mr. Chase predicted this exact thing. I'd have to find nominee, it. Whoever that may be. A lot has changed since then. It sounded, when I was pressing Senator Cruz on it, Sounded like he was saying he'd have a hard time supporting somebody who he, went he after his honestly, wife. Honestly, he doesn't have to support me. I'm not asking for support. Would, I, do I you want, do you I want continue, the people's support. Do you he continue to pledge whoever the Republican want, nominee is? Uh, no, I don't anymore. Look, uh, you don't. I, no, we'll see who it is. I you mean, won't promise to support the Republican nominee. And he was essentially saying the same thing. Let, let me just tell you, uh, he doesn't have to support me. I have tremendous support right now from the people. I'm way over two million votes more than him. I have many, many more delegates than him. I like many, many more delegates. Uh, as I said before, you know, he was talking about his great victory, the night Utah. Well, I won Arizona. Many more delegates. Many, many more delegates. Um, I don't really want him to do something that he's not comfortable with. Just like I can't imagine Jeb Bush. Look, I beat these people badly. <laughs> I beat Jeb Bush. I beat the governor of the state. The governor of the state came in. He was uh, favored to win. He was at 22 points. Then he said something bad about me, and I hit him very hard, and he went boom. And he left the race. He so was just, very early. Just, just so I'm I don't clear, want to make people uncomfortable. I don't need their support. Now, maybe it'll be a negative. Maybe it won't. So the pledge you took is null and void. The idea of I, I have been, supporting I have whoever treated, the Republican nominee is, you say you will no longer guarantee that you will support the Republican nominee. I have been treated very unfairly. Nominee. Look, I won the state of Missouri, right? No, I have. Uh, cruise people. Uh, I've been treated. Wow. I've been treated very unfairly. Uh, I'll give you an example. Unfairly I won, by who? Uh, I think by basically the RNC, the Republican Party, the establishment. Uh, you have a guy like Mitt Romney who lost miserably, who did a terrible job. He ran a horrible, horrible campaign. The last month of that, I, I helped him. I raised him a million dollars. Do you think the RNC is plotting Excuse to take me. this away from you at the convention? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So uh, there you go. Uh, it's a, it's a, about another 10 minutes, uh, actually about another 14 minutes in that interview if you want to watch the rest well, of the supporters. And scene. I don't remember my exact quote. But what I did say was basically, they're, you know, if they find a way to take this away from him, you know, his pledge goes out the window. And I and I said this before. I know I said this on the show. Like, you're going to cross him. He'll probably run as a third party. And everything's going to be all crazy. You've heard crazy. the rumors about Paul Ryan jumping in at the convention, right? I heard of that. Oh, yeah. We talked yeah. about Didn't we talk about that last week? I just I just can't I can't stand Cruz. And it's been getting dirty this week. Back at home, turning out of the race for president and a furious hey, Ted Cruz. Who's this guy anchoring? Uh, Brian. That doesn't look like Brian. Brian doesn't wear uh, glasses. You're right. Um. Oh, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. It doesn't matter. Uh. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't remember. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's I, Brianster. Except I can't. Yeah. Well, this is NBC. Le so. Brian. Le Brian. Hmm, uh, yeah, Le Brian. Uh, yeah. Holt. And uh, no. Uh, hmm. Le Brian Holt. Hmm. 
Brian, hmm. leashing today on Donald Trump after the Republican uh, frontrunner fanned the flames <laughs> in the war over their wives on social media. This as the polls show that Trump may have a serious problem with women voters. NBC's Hallie Jackson has details. Come on, Hallie. A single retweet reigniting the fight between the frontrunners. Donald Trump showing this photo to his 7 million followers. His wife side by side with Ted Cruz's with the phrase, the images are worth a thousand words. Donald, you're a sniveling coward and leave Heidi the hell alone. So you see, this is what Ted Cruz does. And I love that NBC used this shot is these there's a whole group of reporters talking to him. But Ted picks the one he wants and he talks directly into a coward and leave Heidi the hell alone. So he's, you know, and then watch. Now watch, he'll call him. So will you support him as the nominee? I'm going to beat him for the nomination. He's leading right now. You Donald just looked in that Trump camera and said he nominee. is a coward. Will you support him as the nominee? Donald Trump will not be the nominee because Donald Trump is a train wreck. Cruz, with wife Heidi in Wisconsin today, taking his toughest tone yet. Donald doesn't like strong women. Strong women scare Donald. Trump's campaign manager, dismissive, saying of Cruz, this is his effort to gain attention to try and stay relevant in a race that he has lost and insisting Trump has great relationships with women. <laughs> okay, so I want to keep moving real quick because I, I, have, a, I have a little theory about this. Senator, you said that you like and respect Donald Trump in the past. Is it getting harder to respect him? Would you still support him if he were the nominee? You know, I have to say, seeing him go deeper and deeper to the gutter. You see how he goes into that cadence? I uh, hate it. It's not easy to tick me off. I don't get angry often. But you mess with my wife, you mess with my kids, that'll do it every time. Donald, you're a sniveling coward and leave Heidi the hell alone. So now, uh, what I find to be interesting about this is Ted Cruz, uh, you've probably heard the reports, yeah. uh, women are coming out um, and saying that they've had an affair with Ted Cruz. Yeah. Now, it is coming from the Inquirer. Well, granted, though, the Inquirer was right about John Edwards. So actually, yeah, the Inquirer has actually been right about John Edwards, Tiger, Tiger Woods, Woods, Jesse Jackson. Uh, because Gary they, Hart, remember yeah, way back yep, when? Yep, yep. Uh, a Washington Times reporter did actually confirm the story in a tweet coming clean from what I know at least two of the women named as Cruz's mistresses by the National Enquirer are accurate. Uh, there was somebody else who had the story but couldn't publish it and then bitched about being scooped by the Inquirer. Uh, so yeah, I think I, 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 some of the, it's interesting too, like he has pickup lines. He tell he says, he tells women that the sexiest thing about them is their mind. Oh. Uh, so the women talk about how he speaks to them about their, about how he is sexually attracted to sexy minds and things like that. Uh, and so Ted Cruz is a very intense individual. And this is what actually scares me about him the most is he feels like he's the person that's willing to do the most. He'll do anything because when I look at that man and I look at how how wound tightly he is, how prepared he is, yeah. how he speaks, I see a man who I think has been aiming for this his entire life. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so does your buddy. My good friend. Glenn Beck. Ah, Glenn. This guy is driven. And I know that, I mean, the first time I met his son – or his uh, father? God, Beck is out of it, dude. Beck is losing he's tired. it. Tired. Yeah, he uh, he's just not doing super good. He, I think he's had some sort of weird health issues that he's kind of changed a lot. Well, he's been trying to save America, Chris. Yeah. Or his uh, father? I said to him, he's going to get into the Senate, and he's going to be exactly what what he says he's going to be. This is before he went into the Senate. 
And he said, oh, yes, I will kick his ass. I've told that story a million times. Uh, yeah, I guess. So he sees his dad. He talked to Ted Cruz's dad before he went to the Senate and said, oh, he's going to do it. You know, can you guess where uh, – have we talked about this? Where Ben is – or Ben. Where Ben Affleck. <laughs> where Glenn Beck is sitting. Oh, he's in the mock-up of the – Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we have What I haven't said is at that point we talked about him being president. And I said, if he goes into the Senate and he does the right thing – he could be the president. His father said to me, I know. <laughs> Ted has known that he could be the president from the beginning. Oh, I think his whole life. I think so, preparing too. preparing for this. I life. believe so. You do not get, you are not as driven as he is. You are not as smart as he is. And then go in for your last four years before you're going to run for president. You don't get to 2012 and be thinking, I'm going to run for president and think you can get away with that. You know, I will say, too, uh, you look at the way he played dirty with Ben Carson uh, to, to uh, make people think that Carson was pulling out. That is the those are the acts of a man who will do anything, I think. Uh, and so I think Ted Cruz is. Oh, I'm really hoping that the party doesn't land on him because I don't think he's trustable. I got to say. You know, because he's played – just one last thing. He has played – he plays so heavily to his religious base. I got lots of clips I never play of him preaching. Uh, He goes to churches. He does the – he will do the sermon with the people there at the church and then he will speak a little bit like he is so playing heavily to the religious base and yet supposedly he has had affairs with eight women. Well, he wouldn't be the first conservative politician to ever – you know, be caught with his pants down, so to speak. But it's one of those situations where this whole political presidential policies of attacking each other like this and now bringing your wives and spouses, this whole election cycle is the worst I ever have remembered in my life. And it honestly kind of scares me. It's like, who are we going to get? Are we going to get Hillary? We're going to get Hillary. You think she's going to pull through all of this? You still, you're still standing by the Red Book. Uh, the reason why we have the shit show we have right now is because nobody of importance was invited. So I've, I've wondered why. Remember how we've talked before? Who picks who runs? Who picks that it's not Mitt's term? Who picks? It's not, it's not so directly that they get picked. Is that people are invited by the party to run. And if you're not invited to run, it's considered rude if you are a party elite. Right. And so nobody was invited to run against Hillary. Nobody that they care about was invited but, but, to but run against Hillary. But they wanted the party, uh, when back, going back to 08, when Hillary was going against Obama, the party picked both of them and they weren't sure which one to go with, or they did pick Obama and Hillary was like, I'm going to run anyway. Uh, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I have an answer to that. I would tell you that since the moment that Hillary suspended her campaign, she has been assembling... She has. T- she took that momentum has been assembling machinery to win this election, and that is. And the and the super delegates are part of that arsenal, and every major politician knows it. And that's why no one's serious. That's why Biden wasn't invited to run, even though he made up the story about his son saying die or on his son's deathbed. He said, "Dad, I want you to run." And Biden went out there and made sure he told everybody that story so he could get the momentum going. And the party said no. There was a lot of good candidates. Paul Ryan could have ran. There's a lot of people that could have run. They took, of course, Petraeus out so that way he couldn't run. So they took care of Petraeus. Somebody did. Somebody inside the government revealed that Petraeus was having an affair. And then they got into his inbox and revealed that he, was, he had classified documents in his email. Hmm. 
Funny how that works. Yeah. Somebody took Petraeus out. Nobody from the right on the right invited anybody to run against Hillary, and nobody on the left did. So you get guys like Bernie and Trump. That's how you end up with these completely self-funded or people-funded, crazy out-there candidates that are way extreme because nobody serious was invited. Bush jumped in because that was going to be the party standard run against Hillary. Right. That was going to be the – look, it's so obvious looking at it in retrospect. The reason why we have this clown show and it's somebody like Ted Cruz who thinks he's such an amazing, intelligent, brilliant human being that he deserves the presidency. You have that kind of character running up against an egomaniac like Trump on the right and then you have on the other side a 74-year-old Jewish man who is going to who is running up against one of the most powerful politicians in the history of the world? Let's be honest. All right, so I'm not saying I'm not saying maybe ever, you, but currently living, I, there's probably not many other politicians and nations that are literally more powerful than the Clintons. Bernie Sanders is running against what's got to be one of the most powerful politicians, oh yeah. at least in the United States. Yeah, totally. And if you're one of the most powerful politicians in the United States, you probably are pretty powerful in the overall world. That's unlikely. So on the Republican side. Are we going to a contested convention? Yes. And who's the nominee? Uh, it might be Paul Ryan. I could see it. It's going to go to Paul Ryan. And then what happens to Trump? People would vote the shit out of Paul Ryan. And then what happens to Trump? Third party? Independent? Does the Republican Party even survive? That's a really great question. I got to think about that. Yeah, chew on that. Because that's the inherent issue. If they go to a contested convention and the nominee is somebody other than Trump, because right now Trump is leading, he will probably go into the convention with the lead, even though he will not have enough to secure the votes. Uh, you know, they could, you know, if they, if they it's just... Gonna, it, it will screw up that whole side of things. If, the, if, I was the, if I was the Republicans and I was thinking long term, I might, I might be willing to sacrifice the presidency to ensure that I keep the lower chambers of government, because that's really where... Because if... You want it, the right wants to make sure they maintain control there once the dog is in office because they can block everything. Like right. they've been obstructionist with Obama. It that that yeah, but, was but, the pregame. But the problem is the more that they are obstructing, the worse that they'll 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 be in the eyes of some Americans out there, and they'll say, "Yep, Congress is broken. Look who's breaking it. It's always the Republicans. We need to get them out of there." No, because that, here's I bet why you that would happen. No, it's the slingshot around the sun effect. <clears throat> You build up momentum as you as you go around the sun. And you head back to San Francisco. So what happens is you get the dog in office and the backlash for Hillary getting elected because Trump will have lost. Because here's what I'm thinking. Right. If they're thinking big picture, they let Trump be the nominee because there, there are people on the right that will vote for Hillary to prevent Trump from being elected. People will come out of the woodwork to prevent Trump from being elected. People will vote for – here's what people will say. Well – I'll just have to hold my nose and vote for Hillary. That's what everyone's wow. going to say. That'll be the meme. Put it in the red book. I'm going to hold my nose and vote for Hillary. Quote. Right, right, that's right. the meme that's going to be out there because it's already building. They go out. The Republicans sacrifice the presidential uh, election, right? All right. M- to build up momentum, to get that slingshot effect, to build up momentum, to ensure that they maintain control so that way they really can block anything she tries. And they will have such a good case to do it. Now, I'm not saying – I'm not red booking that that's – Trump's going to be the uh, the pick, but if he is picked, that's their strategy. All right. And I'm going to hold my nose and vote for Hillary will be a meme. The question is, will the rom, uh, the the Klingon uh, you know bird of prey hold up on that slingshot? That's yeah. the question. That, no, that was uh, not a Klingon. It was a right. It was a Klingon. Yeah, it was, a yeah, it was not a Romulan. Yeah. All right, Chase. Yep. 
Let's wind down with a uh, high note here yeah. on the show because that's how we go. Uh, that's how we roll. Yeah, and uh, we right, are right here in the heart of the revolution, Washington, which is uh, rec- recreational one, legal. First. Yeah, uh, guess what? Co- uh, um, those folks over in Colorado might have got a head start, but we are out spending. New study says Washington is on track to become the highest state. The Tacoma News Tribune, a new report by ArcView Market He's Research, shows that Washington <laughs> will be buying the most pot in the United States by the year 2020. According wow. to the report, pot sales grew from $18.8 million to $75.3 million a month in 2015 alone, Marty. So I guess we are the highest state. <laughs> yes, in more ways than one. And, and, by, <laughs> and, uh, and by the way, by the way, a couple, couple uh, footnotes sir, yes, on sir, that. Sir, yes, sir, yes, uh, sir. Part of that is because they are eliminating the unregulated medical market and also because they've actually simplified the tax structure a little bit to make it a little bit more profitable for those store owners. They're putting out more stores. Uh, so they're making some tweaks. Of course, there's the whole medical side of it. I have, a re- I have an interesting story for you. So yeah. uh, I, I made friends recently with a pot shop that is fighting with the city of Burlington to open up a, a store. They've been fighting for a while because the city has a moratorium. An, or- an ordinance that says no pot shops within a thousand feet of a residence, which is pretty difficult to do in Burlington. Yeah. And uh, so they say, though, on average, a lot of the pot shops up there are making $250,000 a month. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately they got to have some real tight security. I don't know if you yeah. heard, but one up in Bellingham. Oh, they just happen. opened up a week ago. It's going to happen all the time. broken into. This is going to be a constant problem because there's still uh, there's the problem of the banks, and they have to keep all that cash, right. and they have to secure it. Uh, so but, what, does Hillary bring in the Bernie supporters by saying she'll legalize pot, too? Sure, sure. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> however, however, there is another angle. So there is the revenue, right, that the states are making. Right. And the money there, and the oh, tax yeah. revenue from that. Lots. But there's also uh, a figure that's been beginning to float now about the amount of money that's been taken out of the black market. Oh, yeah. Do you have a guess for the amount of money that's been taken out of the black market thanks to Oregon, Washington, and Alaska? So this is Colorado. Since when? So since the start? Since these, since these states have legalized weed, uh, and I'll give you the states. It's just these states. Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska – they have removed X amount of dollars Half from the black billion, market. Five hundred million. Five hundred million. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Million. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, we'll see. Five hundred million. Five. I'm probably a little high. Maybe two fifty, but I'll say five hundred. I'll stick with that. Really? I feel like three hundred and thirty-three million would be. A I good know this one. is like prices right and the yeah. lower number wins, yeah. but yeah. So, oh wow, token of the chat room says two, two bill. bill. Woo! Wow. Big spender. Let's see. Big spender. Wow. Cro- pull, pull it. Jeez, you guys are getting crazy. Legal marijuana sales are growing into big businesses across the country. Recreational pot sales in our state, along with Colorado, Alaska, Oregon, and D.C., generated nearly six billion dollars last year. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's pretty incredible. That's because that's $6 billion. But I thought it was the money that was taken off the black well, market. that's how they're spending it. It's because okay. $6 billion that didn't go to the black market. Ah, yeah. $6 billion yeah. last year. According to the latest research, sales of recreational pot grew by 232% in just one year. That means legal pot retailers could bring in at least $23 billion over the next four years. Now, how are you not going to support that? By the way, check out MoxNews.com because that's where that clip came from. Yay. Uh, and then one more. It's a, it's a blitz. The production of illegal marijuana has dropped dramatically in recent years in Washington. That, according to a new report by the DEA, they say in 2014, plant seizures were down 80 percent compared to 2010. Washington State Patrol credits the drop to air patrols and better cooperation between different agencies. 
There you go. So not uh, because of legalization, because we're doing better enforcement. There you go. Because we're doing better crackdown. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. Now, Chase, if you ever feel like you're having a bad, geez, a bad day. Now I know you're you, having bad day, especially like a bad Google Maps day. You've had major Google Maps problems, right? Because yes, yes. you've you've even like tried to like revert versions back in the past. Oh, I have. And yeah. you're a Waze user as well. You and I, I both because I go on road trips. Yeah. Big Maps user. Yeah. If you ever have, a, if you're ever having a bad day with Maps. Well, just remember back to your 182 episode of your unfiltered program and think of this guy or family. They're having a real bad day with Google Maps. So you come home to find your house <laughs> destroyed <laughs> by mistake. <laughs> Level. That's what happened to the owners of a duplex in Rolette, Texas. What? Apparently a demolition company was supposed to tear down another house in the neighborhood, but they went to the wrong address. Whoa. One woman says she arrived to find everything she owned laid out in a pile of rubble. I was shocked. I still couldn't believe it standing out here. And I came running up and was like, what are you doing? You know, stop everything. And uh, I knew it had to be a mistake. Your heart sinks first. Oh, my gosh. Because we, we felt so bad for, for Lindsay and Mr. Cutter um, that we made this mistake. We're going to make it right. We're definitely going to be right by both homeowners. Wow. Lawsuit. Wow. Demolition company blaming Google Maps no. for the mix-up. Hey, it's your fault. Look at the number <laughs> on the house. Somebody's getting a new house. Oh it's going to take a while. Why are so they you both come home laughing? To find your house destroyed. You <laughs> 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 lost your house. Level. <laughs> that uh, guy is such a jerk. He's such a jerk. Uh, well, Mr. Chase, now, uh, reminder, while we won't have a regular live episode on Wednesday, I'm going to try to do a clip blitz. Uh, and we would really use the support. We could, we would really appreciate and could use the support because that's going to be like right as I'm packing to go on a spring break yeah. trip with the family, and it's going to be it's going to be a lot of work to cram. Then I'm, that will be my third show that day. Wow! Which, if you've ever done a show, that's a lot to do three yes. shows in one day. Uh, and I would really appreciate the support as a thank you over at patreon.com slash unfilter. Go check out Mr. Chase online. Where do they go? You can go to follow me on Twitter at Nunes, okay. N-U-N-E-S. And also some Geek Gamer TV action, Minecraft Meek returning. So please check that Ooh, out as well. There you go. Go follow me on the Twitters too, at Chris LAS. You can find a picture of the Hitachi that is behind the studio. I didn't know a stereo had a big uh, scoop in the front. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty big. Yeah, pretty it's a big stereo. Big. Uh, big stereo. Big. That's not the only thing Hitachi makes. Don't forget, you That's can right. also follow the network at Jupiter Signal. You can supply content for the show, unfiltered.reddit.com. April could be a bumpy month with Linux Fest, so be sure to follow the calendar at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And if you are a supporter, go grab the clips. Lots more stuff. Stuff that I'm, I can't even fit into overtime. Stuff that we cut off a little short oh, yeah. this week. Uh, way more Trump stuff. Way more Bernie stuff. Yep. Way more dog this, stuff. This is the week, by the way. You guys want to become a supporter because if Do you it. want us to unlock that goal in two weeks and show you what we're planning, you got to stay on as a yeah. Patreon. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Th- thanks, you guys. Don't forget, overtime's coming up, and we'll see you right back here next. In, no, no, no. No, you're right. In two Well, maybe you'll oh. see a blitz next week. All right. You're going to get something soon. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> It's overtime for episode 182 of your unfiltered program, The Overtime. That's right. We're not done yet. There's still more show. Holy smokes! 
that's how we go. That's how we roll. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the overtime segment on your unfiltered show. A little time warp is taking place as I record this. It's actually before the show starts in my time. Ooh, I know. It's something that we're uh, we're changing up as we're revamping and improving our unfiltered patron system. As you know, this show is listener-supported, and we have perks for our patrons, and we're readjusting some of those and making them even better. In fact, why don't I start right now by saying thank you to our new patrons since last episode. We got new ones! Love it. Thank you out there to Alex, Nicholas, Andreas, Martin, Obi-Tom Kenobi. That's a good one. I like that one. Ron and Mike. You all are our new patrons, and this segment is dedicated to you and all of our other patrons out there at patreon.com slash unfilter. We used to we used to we used to hide this from everybody. Used to hide it from everybody. You didn't get to see it. But uh, there is this little uh, little guy sitting on my shoulder saying, Hey Chris, hey Chris, and I'm like, What? You should share that with people, he says. And I said, Whoa, did you just get like a way more aggressive tone with me? And yeah. Okay, did you know you kind of sound like me? Yeah, obviously, he says. Oh, okay. I get distracted easily. So anyways, we proceed to talk, and he tells me, listen, you got good information here in this overtime segment. You got good information, additional clips. The whole reason you work so damn hard on this show is to get the information out there. I think to myself, I think, man, this little thing on my shoulder here who kind of looks like a mini-me, very insightful, very insightful. Very insightful. So then, I thought to myself, should I just take the overtime and take all of the clips in the overtime and just mix it into the big show and go like all mixed in there? But then I thought, no, 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 no. Hey, I don't think Alex or Nicholas or Andreas or Martin or Obi Tom or Ron or Mike would like that. It's too much. You want something moving, you want to turn it on, you want to get with the issue, you want to know what the show's about, you want to get that information. You know, we really look at Unfilter as your way of tuning in once a week and learning about all the other stuff that you didn't have to pay attention to. So that way you can listen to your podcasts, your audiobooks, your television shows, your radio programs, your sports balls, what, or, or whatever news or whatever you want to follow. Your Unfilter show is here because maybe you've had a little bit of too much junk in your diet and you need a little veggies, right? Well, that's what the first half of this show is, man. That is that is a protein shake for your mind. Oh, I love that. <laughs> protein shake for your mind. Anyways, that's good. It's a protein shake for your mind, right? And then, second half, overtime? or I don't even know if you want to call it the second half, but the overtime segment? This is where you can really sit down, enjoy it, maybe pour yourself a cold one, and do a deep dive. This is like the hearty meal. This is like the main course, really. Don't don't tell the supporters. I mean, all along they were getting the main meal, and the other guys were getting the small stuff. Don't tell. Shh, shh, it's a big it's a big controversy. Don't tell anybody. We don't need to make a big deal about that. Well, speaking of big deal, so like I said, this is a time warp. When I record, this is actually before the unfiltered show starts. Now, Mr. Chase is in route right now. I'm watching him on glimpse. Man, Seattle traffic is rough. Whew. That is some bad stuff. So I thought we should probably start the overtime with some really, really important news. As we did last week, I feel like the stuff that's big, breaking news, should probably be done right here at the top of the overtime, way into the show. Only that makes the most sense.
Okay, topping the skinny this morning, a major lawsuit for a Hollywood icon. We're talking about William Shatner, hit with a $170 million paternity suit. The- what, Captain Kirk? What, Captain? Where you been? Now, let's be honest, Captain Kirk did sleep around a lot in the old show, didn't he? Plaintiff, it's Peter Sloan, the man who claims to be Shatner's son. Sloan says he was given up for adoption as a newborn, but... After some research and detective work, he found out the 85-year-old actor once had a fling with his biological mother. Detective work in the future is going to be checking old Facebook posts. Like, that's how you're going to find out when, you're, when you were conceived by who, is you're just going to go look at your mom's old Facebook feed. Shadner has denied the whole thing even after meeting Sloan a number of times. Sloan even introducing Shatner to his daughter. Sloan says that he just wants Shatner to take a DNA test. Uh, 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 just take a test, man. You know, people collect everything. You know, bottle caps. Uh, I've collected Star Trek ships in the past. Cards, obviously. Skulls? It is a tale that Shakespeare himself might have written. The enduring mystery over whether grave robbers raided the tomb of the greatest writer in the English language. Yes, Shakespeare's tomb. There is new scientific evidence to be presented tomorrow in a British TV program. Carrie Sanders tonight with more on this new chapter. All the world's a stage, and now four centuries after William Shakespeare's death, a mystery worthy of a five-act play. Did a grave robber steal Shakespeare's skull? (laughs) In the first ever investigation. Without disturbing his remains, British researchers exploring age-old rumors about the playwright used underground penetrating radar, like a high-tech x-ray, to look deep inside his grave at Trinity Church in England. Where his skull should be, they found... It looks like a big black hole. But the engraving on his headstone could well be prophetic. Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he that moves my bones. (laughs) I like the inflection, too. Moves my bones. You can watch the entire clip in the supporter sink. Another little perk for our supporters. Uh Uh-oh. Time for us to talk about a little more cyber... I hope this hasn't impacted anybody listening to this show. Uh, it sounds like the MedStar chain of hospitals, and it's interesting that it's a, a specific chain, are having some malware issues. Today, some patients in the Washington area were turned away. That's a Washington, D.C., by the way, not the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Washington area were turned away after an attack on a hospital chain's computer system. Chris Van Cleve is looking into this. The crippling cyber attack hit 10 MedStar facilities throughout the Washington region and prompted the health provider to shut down its computer systems to prevent further intrusions. Courtney Martin works at Georgetown Hospital. Everything's shut down here, so there's paper. Everything's by hand today. While the hospitals have stayed open, it's been slow, and some patients reported having their appointments canceled. I'm like, okay, but you can still write things down. When the doctor's office tried to cancel on Barbara Gray's husband, she said... No way. I just don't think it's to the point that you can't see your doctor because before electronics, we broke things down. Write it down. MedStar says significant progress is being made on restoring its systems. So far, the hospital is calling the virus malware, but a spokeswoman would not deny the possibility it was so-called ransomware, a malicious program allowing hackers to hold a computer system hostage for a price. 
Last month, a California hospital paid $17,000 in ransom to regain access to its medical records. That's like negotiating with terrorists. Dr. John Halamka is the chief technology officer at Beth Israel Deaconess Health Systems in Boston. Last year, he took us inside one of the hospital group's secure data centers. Many hospitals have not invested in security, so they're just more vulnerable. But now that we have an example of a hospital willing to pay, we're going to see more ransomware than ever. Halamka says even if it isn't ransomware, hackers see the value in medical records that are rich in personal information like social security numbers. Scott, so far, MedStar says there's no reason to believe patient or employee data have been compromised. Yeah, we've been talking about that a lot on TechSnap, specifically about the hospitals, too, recently. At ransomware. Easy crypto. Although, funny thing about the ransomware we covered in TechSnap, if you're running Windows XP, totally safe. The malware, or ransomware, I guess it is, does a compatibility checker to see if you're running XP. Won't let you do it if you're running XP, because you don't have the, uh, probably, the proper crypto libraries. <laughs> One thing that we've talked about a long time uh, in context of the NSA snooping problems is not really just the data collection, but then what gets done with the data and who has access to it, especially when you have things like CISA that are uh, working their way through. There are reported changes coming from the National Security Agency, and those changes have lawmakers on both sides of the aisle alarmed. It involves the NSA handing over its intel to domestic policing efforts, raising questions about how invasive are these new changes and whether it abides by the Constitution. For more on this, I'm joined by Robert Shear, editor-in-chief at TruthDig and the author of They Know Everything About You, How Data Collecting Corporations and Snooping Government Agencies Are Destroying democracy. Robert, thank you so much for joining me. Let's jump in. We have these two representatives, one from each side of the aisle, Representative Ted Lieu, Representative Blake Farenthold. You know, what's interesting with the intelligence agencies is when they try to push something through uh, that's major, they always have bipartisan support. And what that tells you is not that it's a good idea and thus both Democrats and Republicans support it. What it tells you is they somehow have owned both sides of the aisle. They wrote a letter to the NSA saying they were concerned about reports from media, actually, about these changes to the NSA that would hand over its intel to domestic policing. What do you make of these reports that have been coming out about what the NSA may be up to? What's been interesting about this, too, is uh, I've been seeing these reports, but I only see some media coverage of it and not a lot. NSA to share metadata with police, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not very specific, not a lot of details, not even clear if it's new legislation or if they're able to use existing loopholes. Well, it's uh, maybe up to is a total violation of the Fourth Amendment, the most sacred principle, according to the founders in the U.S. Constitution, which is the pri- involves the privacy of individuals and not to have their domicile, not to have their private papers searched by government. And thanks to whistleblower Edward Snowden, we learned about the vast spying of the NSA on people throughout the world. And then the defense of the NSA was that material was scrubbed. It was not, uh, it did not identify individuals. It was not turned over to domestic 
American agencies and therefore was not violating the Fourth Amendment. Well, we now know that's a fraud. We've had other indications. But the story you were alluding to in The New York Times said that the NSA is now unscrubbing that material and, and turning it over to the Drug Enforcement Agency, the FBI, and through them, obviously, to local police agencies. And it's being used for domestic surveillance, and which is a direct violation, as I said, of the U.S. Constitution. The NSA is supposed to be concerned with international security, not the surveillance of the American public. Right, right. Let's bring up this. Um, I believe we have a letter to bring up that these representatives wrote to the NSA. Okay, we don't we don't have it, but what we do have, okay. I have written down, Robert, real quick. They said that, just as you said, the NSA mission has never been, never should be domestic policing or domestic spying. You mentioned that this violates the Fourth Amendment, but it also could violate the separation of powers here if members of Congress are specifically saying, hey, we did not give you permission to do this. What is the executive branch doing and when do they need to tell the American people what's going on? Well, they have to come clean with the American people because the Constitution is the law of the land. And these two representatives, one a Republican and one a Democrat, happen to be on a critical congressional oversight committee dealing with this. So if they haven't been informed, then none of us have been actually given a channel to that information. I would point out Ted Lieu is a representative from California, from Los Angeles, mm -hmm. where I happen to live. He was a, a lawyer in the military as a reserve officer. He's very familiar with the needs of our national security issues. Uh, and, and for him to come out critically about this is to say, look, this is not helping the nation. It's hurting democracy. What does this picture look like if the NSA is going to be handing over its intelligence un, un, unfiltered, basically, to domestic policing efforts? What are they using this information for and what sort of information would be in the hands of law enforcement? Well, of course, they claim they're using the information to make us safer and free from crime and everything else. But that's always a defense of, of demagogues who take away freedom. I mean, the whole notion of the American system is to build a wall around the privacy of the individual and protect the individual from government overreach. That's the very idea. It's why John Adams, one of our great presidents and found one of our founders, said the Fourth Amendment was critical to the whole American Revolution. And it actually goes back to English common law, that the individual is sovereign, the individual gives power to the state, and the state has to have very restricted use of that power. That's why the Fourth Amendment is key, and that's why this overreach of the NSA sweeping up data from every source the mm -hmm. prison program, everything else, all of our emails, every bit of correspondence, what books we order, how far we read into a book, what movies we see. You know, the most invasive uh, uh, investigation of a citizenry ever dreamed of by any uh, dictator using modern technology. And then that's turned over to domestic police forces. You have no room for freedom. You have no room for privacy, which is the essential ingredient for freedom. Well, Robert, we'll see if Congress can get an answer on this one. Robert Shear, editor-in-chief at TruthDig, thank you so much. Thank you. Hmm. I wonder if they could find somebody that has an opinion next time. You guys think? Maybe they could. Yeah? What? That guy was super opinionated? Oh, okay. Uh, here we go! Oh! So we have, obviously, when you're listening to this, already talked about the FBI unlocking the iPhone. So now we have some follow-up footage on that that I think is really fascinating. Uh, let's skip... Maybe we might come back to this if time allows. Chat room, will you remind me 
if I have extra time, I will play this RT clip about the uh, the limbo that we remain in. But I think I want to use my time a little better than that, if I can. I want to go to a clip, an interview, actually, with Glenn Greenwald. You remember Glenn, right? Publisher of the Snowden Leaks. And he looks at the FBI Apple case in the lens of the uh, post-Snowden leaks. And what and how did the Snowden impacts, uh, Snowden leaks impact this iPhone case? And I, he kind of makes a good case. So uh, it's a couple of minutes long, uh, but I think it's a good discussion. And if we end up with more time, I'll play the, uh, the RT limbo clip. But I, I want to make sure we get this one in because we haven't heard from Glenn for a while. On Monday, the Justice Department announced it succeeded in unlocking an iPhone used by one of the San Bernardino shooters and dropped its case against Apple, ending a high-stakes legal battle. But the news leaves a broader debate over encryption unresolved. The fight between the FBI and Apple had grown increasingly contentious as the tech giant refused to help government authorities bypass the security features of its phone. The FBI wanted Apple to build a backdoor into the phone, but Apple said such a move would put the security of other iPhones at risk as well. The FBI's decision to drop its case now raises new concerns about the strength of security in Apple devices, given law enforcement's ability to unlock the iPhone without Apple's assistance. After the Brussels bombing last week, Democratic presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton delivered a major address at Stanford University and addressed the FBI-Apple fight. Impenetrable encryption provides significant cybersecurity advantages. Now, I didn't get a chance to play this clip uh, last week when it was actually this part, her speech, when it was new. But uh, you notice her cadence in this? I mean, I don't—I I definitely noticed it. It felt more uh, like maybe she was trying to go more presidential. Some people thought she couldn't figure out what to say. I don't think that's it. Uh, I've heard Hillary Clinton when she can't figure out what to say. We'll hear examples of that likely. Um, this felt more like she was practicing. You see the flags behind her. I'm not quite sure what was going on here, but it was definitely a different Hillary Clinton speech cadence. But may also make it harder for law enforcement and counterterrorism professionals to investigate plots and prevent future attacks. ISIS knows this, too. At the same time, there are legitimate worries about privacy, network security, and creating new vulnerabilities that bad actors, including terrorists, can exploit. You hear it? Can exploit. Can exploit. It's sort of like this effortless, I, I am such, I am so in charge, I can be low energy. Network security and creating new vulnerabilities that bad actors, including terrorists, can exploit. Terrorists can exploit. As in, she's so confident. And, you know, you, are you picking that? Or maybe, uh, maybe I'm mis- misreading this. Chat room, your thoughts while this plays out. There may be no quick or magic fix. In the Apple case, the FBI may have found a workaround. But there will be future cases with different facts and different challenges. So the tech community and the government have to stop seeing each other as adversaries and start working together to protect our safety and our privacy. That was Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton speaking last week after the Brussels attack. You notice how they cut it right as she started coughing? Democracy now, uh, very cleverly. Watch. Community and the government have to stop seeing each other as adversaries. 
as adversaries. And start working together to protect our safety and I think she is privacy. sick. No, watch. Democrat. So watch. Well, I'll watch it. We'll play it real quick. Oh, there it was. Uh, too candidate fast. Hillary Clinton speaking last week after the Brussels attack. We turn now to Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Glenn Greenwald, co-founder of The Intercept. Last week, Democracy Now!'s Nermeen Sheikh and I interviewed him and asked about this fight between FBI and Apple. One really interesting aspect of this is a lot of people ask what really has changed as a result of Edward Snowden's revelations. And sometimes people express the view that not much has, by which they mean that there's not a lot of laws that have been passed limiting the NSA's ability to spy. But one critical change, a really fundamental and significant one, has been that prior to the Snowden revelations, Silicon Valley companies like Apple and Facebook and Google and Yahoo were full-scale collaborators with the NSA's effort to uh, collect everything, essentially, to turn the Internet into an unlimited realm of surveillance. And they were able to do that because nobody knew they were doing it, and so there was no cost. Once we were able to shine a light on the cooperation between Silicon Valley and the NSA, as a result of Edward Snowden, there was a huge cost to these companies, which was that people around the world were, would, would be unwilling to use their services and would instead move to South Korean or German or Brazilian social media companies that protected their privacy. And so these companies needed to say, we are willing now to protect your privacy by putting encryption products into our products um, that will not let the government invade your communications and see what you're doing. And, and there is now a serious wedge between the U.S. government on the one hand and Silicon Valley on the other, not because these companies suddenly care about privacy. They don't care about privacy at all. It's because they perceive it as being within their self-interest to demonstrate a commitment to privacy. And that has created a real difficulty. So is he claiming credit for that? And by association by claiming credit for that is he claiming credit for apple putting up a fight with the fbi is he uh is he claiming credit for that <clears throat> uh yeah yeah you guys think so yeah okay because here's here's the facts of the matter the iphone with the secure enclave and touch id was in development before the snowden leaks iMessage existed before the Snowden leaks with end-to-end -end encryption. So I'm not sure I completely agree with Greenwald. It sounds a little egotistical to me. Oh. He might be right, though. I mean, if nothing else, it made Silicon Valley make a big stink about it, right? So, he might also be right. What do you think, Jeremy? For the NSA and for its allied agencies around the world to be able to intrude into people's private communications. The other interesting aspect of this is that in the 1990s, after the Timothy McVeigh attack on the uh, Oklahoma City courthouse, the Clinton administration, what may be the first Clinton administration, um, actually initiated the campaign to demand a law that said that no one was allowed to sell encryption products unless it included a backdoor for the U.S. government to enter. And now, 20 years later, after that campaign was defeated, ironically by the Republicans in the Senate on privacy grounds who said, 
we're not going to let the government have a backdoor into our encryption. You have Hillary Clinton exploiting these terrorist attacks to insinuate, although she hasn't said it outright, <laughs> um, that there needs to be, quote, greater cooperation between Silicon Valley and the government, by which she can only mean greater cooperation to allow U.S. intelligence agencies access to overcome encryption and to enter people's private communications. And so ultimately, I think he's right. Ultimately, he's right. Hillary Clinton is pushing for more surveillance with that statement. She's just couching it. She's couching it. I wanted to just note, uh, so for a lot of you who would be new, which would be a vast majority of you now, to the overtime, a lot of times we track stories in the overtime that haven't quite bursted through enough to cover in the main section of the show. And there's been the story back and forth that's been fascinating to see oscillate, and that is who should control the drone program? Some argue it should be the CIA, like Brennan. Right, before, right when Brennan came in to take over the CIA, it was about to be transitioned to the Pentagon. And then the kibosh was put on that. Even though Brennan did publicly say he supported that, the kibosh was put on that a little bit after Brennan came into office. Not a lot's been said until this week, when CNN did an interview that I didn't see air on television, but they did post online with a watermark, so it's kind of annoying. But they posted this, uh, and I think John McCain, obviously because of the levels of interest here, is understating this. But the fact that it's coming from John McCain is kind of an interesting element in itself. There is a kind of an internal struggle going on within the administration and within the Congress as to... So there is a struggle within the administration and the Congress, Senator John McCain just said. Within the administration, I believe, I think, would imply between Obama and Brennan at some level. I couldn't, I couldn't begin to speculate, but it seems to be that would be a likely case. Uh, and within the Congress. Isn't, now, there is, there is some conflict... There is a kind of an internal struggle going on within the administration and within the Congress as to which, uh, whether it should be an armed services uh, operation, these whole issue of drone strikes, or should it be done by the CIA? So uh, should it be controlled by the Pentagon or the CIA? Now, McCain is, uh, he is the head of the beast for the um, entire industrial military complex. So uh, he's like you know, be, be, below, below him. He looks like a he looks like a regular man, uh, but you can't see it because it, it's actually invisible at some level. But uh, con- connected to the rest of his body is the largest machinery ever constructed in the history of humanity, called the U.S. military. And so he is always going to push for the U.S. military to be in control of something. So obviously, without even having to go any further, we already know McCain wants the drones to be controlled by the Pentagon. Now, but somebody else. Else wants the drones to be controlled by the CIA. We go on. Strikes or should it be done by the CIA? Obviously, as chairman of the Armed Services Committee, I have some bias, but it seems to me that as much as we could give a, a responsibility and authority over to the Department of Defense, because that's really not the job of the intelligence uh, agency. But back uh, to your to your question. Now, why is the CIA doing it, and why is the Pentagon not doing it? Oh, well, I'm so glad you asked that question, intelligent listener. Because very, very simply, the CIA can do it confidentially. Top secret. When the Pentagon does it, that the, the resources to do that action, the military personnel to, to, to do those flights, the drones, all of that is documented and tracked publicly to some degree. At, at least when they do a CIA drone strike, 
it's completely off the books. It's third-party reporting that is giving us the, the drone strike numbers. That's The data you hear about drone strikes and numbers is almost always, at least for when it's coming from the media, not from the government, from third-party reporting because the CIA operations are completely confidential. There's some other interesting bits in here that he's, uh, he's about to get into. I guess there was a second question we didn't hear. But back uh, to, your, to your question, I think then that raises the debate. Uh, do we need to continue drone strikes, and if so, how? Obviously, better intelligence. But we are now facing a new form of warfare, these non-state terrorist organizations that are spread ISIS. all over Hell's Half Acre. Hell's Half Acre! And really, the only way you can get at them uh, that we know of now that's viable is through the... Oh, what's this? The only way to get uh, through them that's viable that we know. Now, what does he mean? Okay, hold on. Let's let's pack that up just a little. Hell's half acre. Hell's half acre. And that's a good one. Really, the only way you can get at them uh-huh. uh, that we know of right. now that's viable is right. through the drone operations. They- so the only way to get to these guys is through drones. And so if we're going to keep uh, that's that means what that means what what John McCain there, the head of the industrial military complex, is telling you, we're going to be killing them for a long time. And if we're going to be killing them for a long time because this is the new enemy, this is the best way to do it, it's going to become standard operating procedure. It's going to eventually have to go to the Pentagon. That's what he's saying. That's what your boy right there is saying. Listen to it. Listen to it. I mean, we're going to keep killing them this way because this is the new enemy. Since this is something we're going to be killing for a long time, it obviously should go to the Pentagon. That's it. Uh, do we need to continue drone strikes, and if so, how? Obviously, better intelligence. But we are now facing a new form of warfare, these non-state terrorist organizations. That are- and, and the reason, of course it's the new, it's, of course it's a new form of, of warfare, because who in their right frickin' mind is going to go up against the U.S. military? Would, would, oh, what, the next eight nations combined are going to get together and go up against us? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Okay, who, what nation... Not even Russia. Not even Russia's going to do it, right? Come on. So, of course, this is the new warfare. Killing people in the sand. That's the new warfare. Of course it is. Well, probably eventually on the homeland. So it should be, obviously, obviously, it should be, I mean, obvious. It should, obviously, it should be controlled by the Pentagon. Now facing a new form of warfare, these non-state terrorist organizations that are spread all over Hell's Half Acre. I, I, A.K.A. anywhere there's sand or really anywhere we think... There's bad guys. And really, the only way you can get at them uh, that we know of now that's viable is through the drone operations. They have taken out leadership. We've killed their most important people. (sighs) Breathe. Breathe. Let's talk about China screwing things up for a bit. They drive across the old narrow bridge around 9 a.m. each day. Chinese trucks carrying goods into North Korea. They leave from Dandong, the border city on the Yalu River. It's the economic lifeline of North Korea, China the only country left willing to do significant trade with Kim Jong-un's regime. New UN sanctions levied against North Korea's nuclear program have impacted that relationship. For example, North Korean coal exports, important revenue for the country, are now banned if any profits from them might be funneled to sanctioned programs. China must also now inspect all shipments into and out of the country. Criticized in the past for not enforcing sanctions, officials deny that, but say they will strongly implement this latest round. We watched as North Korean trucks drove into China around midday, mostly empty. 
They end up in yards like this, loaded up with Chinese goods that get sent back across the border. We asked how officials specifically plan to inspect those, making calls to authorities in Dandong and at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Neither would provide details. Security guards we met outside the yard were not keen to talk with us either. And trying to see for ourselves how these inspections are done can prove to be difficult, as you can see. We try and talk to ordinary people, uh, truck drivers even, to talk to them about these inspections, uh, but none of them would agree to speak with us, and we constantly face harassment like you're seeing right now. It's near impossible to determine if the inspections are effective. What is clear, though, is the continued struggle of those inside North Korea. For ordinary people, poverty and hunger remain chronic. A heavily sanctioned Kim Jong-un regime can't or won't provide supplies to its people. So others do, seeing a business opportunity. Uh, you can go in here. We met this man in secret along the border at night. He illegally smuggles goods into North Korea for a living. He tells us he deals in basic living supplies, focusing on everyday grains and car parts. For him, the sanctions don't mean much. But for other smugglers he works with, the added restrictions are good for business. The North Koreans have to buy lots of goods from us because there are fewer legal shipments through the border, more from us. He says since the latest sanctions began, there's been more requests from North Koreans for industrial chemicals and steel. He has no idea what they're used for, but he knows who's buying. Not ordinary people. It's the military and their families. Everything is completely corrupt there. Ordinary people have no money, so all the goods are purchased by wealthy people. He thinks China has stepped up its inspections since the newest sanctions, but doubts that any sanctions, enforced or not, will ultimately do any real harm to Kim Jong-un's regime. Matt Rivers, CNN, Dandong, China. pick up all the nuke talk. I'm not sure. It depends if you were, I suppose, listening to the news or not, but it seems like a lot of talk about ISIS getting nukes, North Korea. So, you know, you got to come up and you got to find a way to tie this back to the homeland here. You know, the United States of America homeland, our homeland guys. And so the way you do that is you make it about us. Let's talk about nuclear security. There's a report in a Belgian newspaper that a security guard at a nuclear plant there was murdered this week and his access pass was stolen. Authorities discovered secret surveillance footage of a high-ranking Belgian nuclear official in the home of a man linked to the Paris attacker. Okay, so we got this Belgium situation. Very scary, way over there, very, very scary. Are you at all concerned that ISIS could infiltrate a nuclear plant in Europe or is that just uh, too far afield, do you think? No, no, I'm, I'm highly concerned about that. But not only in Europe, L- look at the, uh, the attack on the Metcalf power station in California. Uh, we have not solved that. That's a, a very disconcerting uh, chain of events here. So trust me, our, our critical infrastructure is vulnerable trust to cyber me. attack, to potential terrorist attack. Uh, and we are not taking this threat seriously enough. Uh, it, it's highly concerning. Oh, all right. So there you go. Our infrastructure is vulnerable. It's highly concerning. ISIS could damage us, the entire grid. The only solution is to spend whatever it takes to defeat ISIS, at least according to this panelist. And 
anti-terror raids intensifying right now amid reports ISIS has unleashed 400 fighters across Europe. America's mayor says it's time for action. We have a solemn treaty with the country of Belgium. Okay, so, um, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, let's one second. Uh, chat room. Yeah, that was, could you believe this, the volume of that, of that, of that Fox clip? Fox just does that. They, their production is off the roof. Uh, chat room. What did he just, what did he just label Ruby Giuliani? Rudy, it's not, not Ruby. What did he just label Rudy Giuliani? The Fox News announcer just gave Rudy a brand new title, at least, at least the first time I recall it. What was the title, chat room? There we go, Sean PC's got it! Hey-oh! That's right. <laughs> America's mayor, ladies and gentlemen. America's mayor says it's time for action. <laughs> We have a strong reports ISIS has unleashed 400 fighters. Come on, do it again. Do it again. Europe. Do it again. America's mayor says it's time for action. That's nice. We have a solemn treaty with the country of Belgium that an attack on Belgium is an attack on the United States so of America. So you equate an act by terrorists. Just want to be clear. And you're the lawyer. I'm not. Oh, an but attack on France, an attack on Belgium. An attack so on he should have gotten Lithuania his butt back to the White House. is an attack on the United okay. States of America. Well, those glasses are an attack on fashion. Just saying. Rudy Giuliani says we're at war and it's time to start acting like it. Charlie Gasparino says yes, but it's also time. It means we have to spin like it. Oh. Hello, everyone. I'm Charles oh. Payne. Oh, yeah. Also here, Ben Stein, Adam Lashinsky, and Kerry Sheffield. Dega McDowell, as you saw, was just sub-hosting for Bulls and Bears. All right, Charlie, the money. Uh, we've already spent $6.5 billion in the last couple of years fighting ISIS. We've got to spend a lot more. Right. I mean, let's be clear. When Reagan uh, spent the Soviet Union in the ground, he did spend them in the ground. We had a huge peace dividend in the 1990s. Uh, there will be a peace dividend when we destroy ISIS. I, I, I want to make one other. <laughs> oh, good. There's the promise. You know, we really don't even really need to go much further, do we? Because that's it. Hold on. That's so good. That is because that's it, guys. That's like remember how when we would go into Iraq, the uh, it would pay for itself. That's the same logic. The money. Uh, we've already spent six and a half billion in the last couple of years fighting ISIS. We got to spend a lot more. Right. I mean, let's be clear. When Reagan uh, spent the Soviet Union in the ground, he did spend them in the ground. We had a huge peace dividend in the 1990s. Uh, uh, there will be a peace dividend when we destroy ISIS. I, I, I want to make one other, one other point regarding Mayor Giuliani. I think he's wrong. We're not in a conventional war. And I don't think we should have to be in a conventional war. We can spend a lot of money. We can waterboard every one of the guys that we captured right. and get secrets out of them. And one other thing, we do not need to put ground troops in. We can bomb, according to yes. Donald Trump, the you-know-what. Burn them, yeah. Because we are not doing that now. We're doing these strategic bombing. Whoa. Come on, guys. They live in the sand. They're like, you know... I think. Look at that guy. Like, come on. Look at that. Come on. They're like, they live in the, they're all the way over there. I, I don't even think they have white skin, do they? Look at that. So that guy's thinking right there. Oh, I don't even think they have white skin. What a creep. What a creep. What a maniac. Wow. Wow. We, I mean, it, it seems so callous because we, I feel like what, what we really should be doing is giving them a retirement program. I mean, we're the ones that hired them after all. That would be the better approach. And then, of course, Assad got a little airtime recently, had some bold things to say. This was a wide-ranging interview given by Assad to Russian state media. So it's no surprise that the Syrian president directed his criticism at their mutual opponents. Interesting. Mutual opponents when, in reference to Syria and Russia. Mutual opponents. Good language. 
good to keep track of. Uh, the war in Syria was about terrorism, he said, and that Turkey, uh, Saudi Arabia and Western countries like Britain and France were responsible for backing the terrorists, the kind of rhetoric that we've heard from Assad. Rhetoric! Rhetoric! On several occasions in the past. But there was some new substance, and it was this. He put a figure on the damage caused by the Syrian conflict. $200 billion, he said, had been lost in economic and infrastructure damage throughout the course of the, the five years of war. Rebuilding Syria, uh, Assad told Russian television, would fall to the three main states that he said had supported the country during what he called its crisis. China, Iran, and of course Russia. Repairing the Russian wrought on Syria, in part, of course, by the Russians themselves and their airstrikes, could prove extremely lucrative for the Kremlin. Matthew Chance, CNN Moscow. That was amazing. So he at the end there, he ends with, because Russia did the majority of the bombing, now they're going to go make money on the rebuilding. That's, that, is, that is so good. It's so rich. And, it's, and remember, Assad saying that the West was involved with the conflict was rhetoric. It was rhetoric. It was rhetoric. Except for there is that problem that we are financing the terrorists. In fact, Obama just re-signed more financing to the Pentagon. I got a link in the show notes. And it turns out our own groups... Our own guys are fighting each other. We start with breaking news. RT has obtained exclusive evidence of Turkey's alleged dealings with Islamic State. This is a longer clip, so I'm going I'm to reverse the order on this. Because that's ridiculous. Ow! This is actually, you know, in that clip. Shoot, we're running short on time. That's a long clip, but in there... Oh, I'll play a couple minutes of it, actually, because in there... We start with breaking news. RT has obtained exclusive evidence of Turkey's alleged dealings with Islamic State. Our documentary crew was in Syria recently in areas retaken from the jihadi group and spoke with detained members of ISIL. The reporter asked to remain anonymous for security reasons. Uh, we are going to check in with the uh, RT reporter now. Uh, can you get uh, the uh, lights turned off? Yeah, yeah. make sure get the uh, voice modulator because we don't want it to be obvious. It's one of our really well-known reporters that has the crazy brunette hair. So make sure you turn the lights down. Get the lights down. Get the lights down. Get the voice modulator turned up, please. Voice modulator, please. We are an RT documentary crew. We went to northeast Syria to make a film on the Islamic State, which used to control this area and its oil. Most of the filming took place in the city of Al-Shaddadi. It is home to about 10,000 people. So here you can see us walking with the Kurdish YPG fighters. In so to chop this up a little bit, what's fascinating is they find a whole bunch of Turkish documentation. They find oil stuff. Remember a couple of episodes ago, a couple of weeks ago, we did the uh, the docs that released, the documents released uh, that were like all of the ISIS information. It's essentially RT's version of that, which I find to be uh, kind of interesting. But uh, we're talking about maybe more in the main show. Uh, I, wa- I wanted to, while we're still in overtime, Chase is uh, getting close. But while we're still in the overtime, I wanted to show you a series that Fox News is working on. CNN has have been having some success with uh, dropping that whole news thing and doing these uh, dramas. I don't, if you don't watch CNN, then you don't know that they, they promote it ridiculously heavy, especially during the debates in town halls. They have this uh, race to the White House historical series where they are dramatizing past presidential runs. And then th- this is an example of one of many series that they're doing. Uh, they did that weed one a while back. They've been doing a whole bunch. Uh, so Fox is realizing, hey, this is a moneymaker. 
We don't not only do we not have to do news, <laughs> but we can run this over and over again and promote the heck out of it. So they have a series they're working on. They just teased it on the network recently and I got a copy of it for you. It's called War Stories: Fighting ISIS. 14 May 2015. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the self-proclaimed caliph of ISIS, the so-called Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, calls for all Muslims to migrate to his caliphate or take up arms in their own country. The terror alert raised to the highest level after bombings at the Brussels International Airport and a subway station in the heart of the capital. We heard two very loud explosions. If anybody thought this wasn't their problem, they ought to recognize that it is all of our problem. 130 people of 27 nationalities were slaughtered in Paris. First major attack on French soil since World War II. And around the same time, we had the attacks in Lebanon. We had the first downing of an airplane since 9-11. This all happened in a matter of weeks. San Bernardino, California. Yeah, I made for great unfilter episodes. Where a husband and wife team had thousands of bullets and a stockpile of pipe bombs. We've got investigations in all 50 states in America. The horror will not end until our Muslim community wakes up. Okay, so that was preview number one they put out there. Pretty intense, right? Pretty good. Now, here's part two, an excerpt from the show, an interview with Colonel Oliver North. You've got probably more experience in this war than anybody Oh, else. I'm sorry. It's all Colonel Oliver doing the interview. My bad. He's inter- he is interviewing. Uh, that's, uh, that is um, God, the guy that looks dead like a zombie. Uh, uh, General, uh, General Dunford. I know. What has changed over the course of those years between 2003 and now? Today we're probably dealing with a more virulent strain uh, of extremism. Virulent. Of ISIL. Is it something that can be contained and defeated? It can be defeated and it will be defeated, Ollie. It's going to require a couple of things. First, it's going to require us to deny sanctuary wherever it happens to be. It's going to require us to build the capacity of our partners so they can provide security with their own borders. And it's going to require us to cut off their resources, to cut off the flow of foreign fighters, and to undermine the credibility of their narrative. Damn! That is a little tease. So I'll keep my eyes out and see if it actually delivers anything of actual fruit worth chewing on. Mr. Chase is super close. He's made some good time towards the end of his trip here. Shoot, I had a lot of stuff still to go over. Well, I haven't had a chance to do any Bernie coverage, so chat room, you get to pick. Should I do some... You want Bernie coverage, or do you want CNN cutting off Donald Trump press conference... When he's not saying the things that they want. So CNN cuts off Trump or Sanders talks about a lot of anger in the country. Sanders anger, Trump cut off. Sanders anger, Trump cut off. You let me know, chat room. We'll play that clip. All right, looks like we're feeling the burn in the chat room, so we're going to go with Mr. Sanders. we got to make a quick decision because Chase is nigh. It's an interesting clip, and I think this actually was when he was out in the Seattle area, so uh, the Pacific Northwest area, my neck of the woods. And now Democratic presidential candidate Senator Bernie Sanders is here with me in no, Milwaukee. No, no. Thank Milwaukee. you so much, Senator. I appreciate you being with me. Great to be with you. Uh, this is a crucial state. You just heard uh, Hillary Clinton say your campaigns are talking to each other about another debate. You've asked for one. Of course, as you're aware, earlier today, a, a Clinton a campaign spokesman said your request for more 
more debates are a quote unquote publicity stunt, <laughs> which is slick, uh, which, of course, Hillary declined, uh, uh, which I thought was great. Um, and I want you to notice how well Bernie stays on point as he continues very on message. He seems very casual, very honest. Uh, he kind of even jokes with Aaron here a bit. Chicken. Do you think she's serious about debating you? I certainly hope so. Look, there are huge issues facing this country. Our middle class is disappearing. Uh, grotesque levels of income and wealth inequality, uh, a campaign finance system that is corrupt, and a broken criminal justice system. And in New York State, there are additional problems. So I would hope that we would have a good debate. Uh, my understanding is she would like to do it in Brooklyn. I was born in Brooklyn. Let's do it. Game on for Brooklyn. Game on. And the other big news, of course, you, you heard up at the top of the program. You saw the video today from a Trump rally, but of course, Donald Trump's campaign manager charged with a simple battery for an altercation with a reporter recently. Uh, moments ago, he just defended that campaign manager. He said, I know it would be easy for me to discard people. I don't discard people. Should Donald Trump fire Corey Lewandowski? Well, let's see what what happens. In the- so he does a re- again, a really good job of staying on message. He manages to give an answer that seems reasonable, but at the same time says, yeah, he's guilty. The legal process. He has been charged and we don't find people guilty until you go through a process. Uh, but that said, but my campaign manager does not assault female journalists. Let me oh! just say that. You know, John Kasich came out and said uh, he would he would if it with this had happened to him, he would go ahead and fire well, his campaign. But manager. let me just if the roles are reversed, would you? Or well, would let you me just say this. Let me just say this. Uh, what has concerned me very much. Of course Kasich would say that. Of course Kasich would say that. His campaign's over. He's just hanging in there till the convention. Come on, of course Kasich would say that. <laughs> of course Sanders can't say that. Legal process. He has been charged, and we don't find people guilty until you go through a process. Uh, but my campaign manager does not assault female journalists. Let me just say that. You know, John Kasich came out and said uh, he would, he would, if it with this had happened to him, he would go ahead and fire well, his campaign. But manager. let me just, if the roles are reversed, would you? Or well, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Uh, what has concerned me very much about Donald Trump is the edginess of calls to violence around his campaign. What I found absolutely shocking, not only this campaign manager's action. But he was prepared, or at least indicated that he was prepared, to pay the legal fees for somebody who quite openly sucker punched somebody, right, Mm -hmm. knocked them down. And when you say you're going to pay the legal fees for somebody who commits a gross act of violence, what you're really telling your supporters is that violence is okay. But, Aaron, to me, all of that stuff is interesting political stuff. But what we are trying to focus on in this campaign are the issues that impact the American people, which frankly is why I think our campaign is doing so well. And and one of the key issues that we are dealing with is a rigged economy in which millions of people today are working longer hours for lower wages, a broken trade system. Right here in Wisconsin, tens of thousands of jobs have been lost because companies shut down here, moved to Mexico, moved to China. We need a trade policy that works for workers, mm-hmm. not just the CEOs of large corporations. Now, you're obviously making this case here in Wisconsin. You had the landslide wins on Saturday, right, in three crucial states. Yeah. Uh, now you're here in Wisconsin. Uh, it's huge, right? You've got, you've got 86 delegates uh, Big, at stake, absolutely. 96 if you yep. count Big. the ones uh, up, for, up for grabs. Are you going to win Wisconsin? Are you confident? I'm never into speculation. I will tell you that the night of the election, all right? I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what the results are, but it's yeah. silly to be talking mm-hmm. about it. All I can say is we're going to work that very, very hard. Uh, we have a lot of volunteers here in the state. We're going to be knocking on doors. We're going to be making phone calls. And our message about the need to create an economy that works for all people is, in fact, resonating uh, here in Wisconsin. 
Uh, and uh, I think you're going to see us do very well. So, so one of the th- arguments that you're making on that front, right, is free college. And it's something that... No, you no, no, no. Free public You see, every university. time Omar shows, somebody says free college. <laughs> That's really gets him. And I've seen him say that like a dozen times in interviews. And so I've almost, you know, if I had more time, like if this was the only show I did, wouldn't that be amazing? Patreon.com slash filter. I, I would get a, I would do a hypercut of, 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 Bill, of Bernie going, no, no, I would love that. And I would also get him, I would try to find some cuts of him saying... You, people always say that. <laughs> I just love the way he does it with his hands. <laughs> He's very entertaining to watch. Doors, we're going to be making phone calls. And our message about the need to create an economy that works for all people is, in fact, resonating uh, here in Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, I think you're going to see us do very well. So, so one of the th- arguments that you're making on that front, right, is free college. And it's something that... No, 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 no. Free public You see, every university. time Omar shows, somebody says free college. It is free tuition at public at colleges public. and universities. Okay, so so on that, that front, though, because yeah. it is important how you word it, um, you know, your plan, we have a federalist system, right? You're gonna, yeah. You would be chipping in money to the states, and yeah. they would yeah. then yeah. Yeah. have the decision to make. Hillary Clinton says that's just not going to happen in a state like Wisconsin. Well, let me just yep. play what she said uh, yep. basically about you this yep. afternoon. Here she is. His plan depends upon governors like your governor. Remember earlier I said you'll be able to tell when Hillary Clinton doesn't know what to say next, and we were talking about her cadence, and her cadence wasn't because she couldn't think of what to say or because she was tired. You are about to witness her thought process when she's not sure what to say next. Uh, and it's obvious. You'll, you'll see it. You'll recognize it immediately. Putting in a lot of money. Now, I got to tell you, having followed from afar the wrecking ball that Scott Walker has used against higher education, I don't think it's all that realistic to say, well, you'll get free college as long as Scott Walker chips in about, you know, yeah, about $300 million. I mean, Scott Walker turned down half a billion dollars in Obamacare. Okay, let me just say the danger. Let let me just say this. Number one, in the year 2016, we have got to recognize that a college degree is pretty much the equivalent of what a high school degree was 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. The world has changed. The economy has changed. We need to have the best educated workforce in the world. Young people should not be denied the opportunity because they don't have the money or they should not have to leave school $50,000 in debt. So we do believe, I do believe very strongly in making public colleges and universities tuition-free. Now, what Secretary Clinton says is that Scott Walker may not go along with that. Well, you know what happens to the state of Wisconsin if he does not? California will, Vermont will, states all over this country will, and young, bright people will be leaving Wisconsin. And I think the people of Hmm. Wisconsin will tell Scott Walker, you know what, this will be a disaster for the future of our state. Because when kids leave, sometimes they don't come back. I always, always try to get this into the show, and it was a total lapse on my part. I completely apologize. Every time there's a holiday, the media has to have the clip to scare the crap out of you. Every time. Like, I always love to play the turkey clips. I always love to play the burning Christmas tree clips. And of course, I missed the boat on this one, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm doing a mulligan. I'm hoping you'll forgive as I get it in late, because of course, there has to be an Easter scare. 
Possible poison in your child's Easter basket? A California group is raising questions now about the levels of lead and cadmium in some popular name brand chocolates. Reporter Kate Cogren digs into this danger. We assumed that companies were testing their products before they put them on the market, but they're not. Oakland-based health watchdog group As You So released this list of chocolates that they say expose consumers to heavy metals, lead and cadmium, sometimes up to three times California's legal limit. There is no safe limit of lead for children. It causes loss of IQ, causes neurological damage. Chronic cadmium exposure has been linked to kidney, liver and bone damage. Both heavy metals can stay in your system for years. But it's not just one time and, and then it, it flushes out. Popular brand names, Bay Area's Ghirardelli and C's Candy and Trader Joe's had some products on the naughty list and we showed them to shoppers. Do you recognize any of these chocolates? Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, be honest, buddy. Come on, you enjoy yourself a little uh, Easter candy. I'm surprised up here in Washington State we're not hearing, by the way, hi everybody, we're not hearing about Kinder Eggs being snuck across the border oh, yeah. from Canada. No, it's that's that's all that's off the record. You don't want that. You don't want people knowing about that. Yeah, but so so for 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 those who don't know, Kinder Eggs is a great candy up in Canada that you can buy, and inside the Kinder Egg is a toy, but it's a choking hazard. Therefore, it is not allowed in the United States. And so, a family a couple of years ago, I think, was on their way back from Vancouver when. They declared, yeah, we bought some Kinder Eggs. They were immediately, they were immediately sent to secondary. Their car was thoroughly searched through and through, maybe even strip search. Who knows? It was the worst thing oh, ever. Geez. Oh, geez. Worst thing. Hey, Chase. Hey, Chase. Hey, 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 Betty. Hey, I got one last clip before uh, we start the show. Clip for me? Aww. Yeah, I saved one for you. This one's, this one's a real important one. I want everybody to know about it. So, uh, because I think, you know... Uh, now, I could be a little biased. I haven't been able to have a cat since I had children. But I think yeah. that perhaps now that I once, I, have once, I know, once I was a cat owner and now I've transitioned to a non-cat owner, I have become, I have gone from cat parent or owner to cat uh, person observer. And I have observed something unsettling in the population of America. And that's because 60 million of us have this. Nearly 60 million people in the U.S. might carry a dangerous parasite passed on from their pet cat. People commonly pick up toxoplasmosis by cleaning a cat's litter box. And while it is relatively harmless for most people, in some, it could cause angry outbursts. New research from the University of Chicago found the parasitic disease could change brain chemistry, increasing the risk of aggressive behavior. They hope that their findings will lead to better treatments, and they also add they are not suggesting that people get rid of their cats. Ooh. I don't think it works as an excuse for <laughs> yeah, <laughs> By the way, yeah. By the way, yeah. I love my cats. I have two cats. Yeah, you but you might have toxic plasmosis. Well, you know, I have the most high tech litter box of all time. Oh, tell me. So I need to find a clip, uh, and I was going to be doing an official review of this later on. Uh-huh. But it's it's called the litter robot. Have you heard of this? I, I well maybe. I mean, sh- wait, hold on. I bet I hold on. Well, why don't you Google it? Pause <laughs> okay. the uh, pause the music there and Google right, it, right. and I'll see if I could guess what it is. So have you heard the litter robot? Yeah. Okay, have okay. you heard of the litter robot? So uh, what year did you buy it? I just got it. Okay, uh, great. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, okay, I am picturing something that is a, con- a self-contained environment uh-huh. that uh, probably has an air filter of some capacity, uh, perhaps a consumable that you ha- you buy specifically for it, much okay. like you might get a specific Brita filter. Okay. Uh, 
And uh, I'm imagining it's some sort of automated cleaning process or right. rotation of the litter uh-huh. in such that the litter box remains fairly palatable to the human beings around it. I'll give it to you based on your general generalities. <laughs> All right, you got something for me? Let's see what you got do. here. Okay, what do you here got? Here it is. This is called the Litter Robot. It is an all-in-one automatic self-cleaning box Come for on, a cat. Come on, play the video. You know that's why I wanted you to look yeah, it up. Play, they got to know right there. Yeah, no, wait, but I wanted to show you real quick. Which oh. one? They have three different types. Oh, I, you know what? I was thinking something boxy. I didn't realize no, it'd be classy and orbish. It's orbish. Head over to, <laughs> to how it works here. Oh, but they got to... Right. Okay, okay. All right. Oh, oh, cool. All right, play it, dude. Oh, whoa, 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 wait. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Come. Less enhance. Less enhanced. Less, okay. less enhanced? Yeah. You can you could probably just hit the thing in the thing. All, all right, right, hit it. Oh, it took me here. That's all right. Do all the right. theater mode there. Yeah, there we go. Boom. Okay. Right, is that better? That really works. The Litter Robot's patented sifting system means you'll never have to scoop litter again. Here's how it works. A seven-minute countdown begins when your cat leaves the Litter Robot. Once complete, the globe slowly rotates and clumps are gently sifted from the clean litter. The clumps fall through the waste ports directly into the drawer below. See? Now the globe rotates back into position, leaving the litter robot ready for its next visitor. And is the rotation quiet? And, 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 yeah. And, and so I assume it has its own proprietary kitty litter? It, 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 no. No, it uses any kind of standard clumping litter. Okay. All right. Okay, yeah. that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Chase. Well, there you go. You wow. need one of these. Hey, uh, one reminder. What? I don't have a cat, though. Well... You'll need one when you get a cat. Yeah, yeah. You're going to yeah. want one of these when you get yeah, a cat. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is that is probably true. Uh, okay, so one little reminder as we wrap up on the... Uh, <laughs> is that Chase's next voiceover? Again? Whoa, hello there. Hi there. Hi. I did do another voiceover, by the way. I have do you two. have it? Yes, I do. Well, okay. Well, that's a good way. So before Chase plays, where you load those up, I'll yeah. mention this. Uh, just a reminder. Hopefully, we've already said this in the show when you're listening to this in its regular order, but we will not be here next week because I will be out for spring break. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I mean, like, I, well, are you taking although, your top off, man? Are you what going I might out? do, depending if producer Matt has time, is Monday evening I might do like a clip blitz. Okay. Uh, I could do a clip blitz, like a 30-minute clip blitz, uh, if producer Matt has time to get us some more clips between now and Monday. Um, and I could help with that, too, obviously. Oh, okay. You know, I actually so. I, I did uh, two two voiceovers. They're, they're two quick ones. All right. I'm ready. Okay. You, uh, you, still, have, you still have volume, so you're good to go, All sir. All right. So here's the, here's the first uh, awesome one. Team up with QFC this week to make sure your basketball party is the best in town. Stock up on fan favorites like wings and drinks, chips, burgers, and more. So by the time the game tips off, you'll be ready. QFC, you know it's going to be good. Damn, that's you know, nice. You know dude. it's going to be good. Hey, oh, by the way, yeah. Before we go any further, yeah. Uh, I do want. I was. I did actually kind of want to get you to do some voiceovers uh, for me uh, oh. for last because. Uh, so we have this music here. So, so Noah is going into a competition with another person, Emma, oh, like to, to convert as many well, people. I saw the, I saw the art. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. Uh, it was like so, a SmackDown, Linux so down thing. So yeah. I want to play like a teaser clip to intro the segment. So if you could think of something, like we could play this music and then we could do, you know, uh, in April in 2016. Something like that. And then because uh, Coming cause, to you from Bellingham, Washington. It'd just be fun because... It's going to be at Linux Fest, right? Yeah. Okay. It'd be fun to do it because... Uh, the venue, Linux Fest North. People West. might recognize you and it'd just be a good crossover. Yeah. So, But, but I want to do it in audition and... Yeah, and, we'll do it pro. Yeah. Multi-track and stuff like that. But I would really love to do that That'd soon. That'd be fun. Now, this, okay. this voiceover, by the way, is my favorite. Now, okay. I don't come in until about 40 seconds in. 
But honestly, you'll know why this is my favorite, probably my favorite voiceover so far. Here we go. What's in a name? Plenty. The Seattle Mariners have had a bone, a bakhti, a blowers, and a boonie. Goodbye, baseball! Brad Boone with That's not me, by the way. An Ichi, a valley, and a This gammy. guy is not me. We had a Macklemore before Macklemore was Macklemore. Now we've got a Robbie, a Taiwan, and a Kyle. Holy smokes, what a play by the Gold Glover. We've got a Goody, and we've still got a guard. And a king, of course. Another 10 punch out performance here at Safeco Field. But past or present, every name is more than just a place in the lineup. It's a lifelong baseball memory. They love it here at Safeco Field. Mariners baseball, true to the blue. The first homestand of the season starts with a three-game series against the A's, Friday, April 8th through Sunday, April 10th. That's followed by a three-game AOS showdown with the Rangers. It's your first chance to see Felix, Robison, Kyle, Nelson, Kuma, and the 2016 Mariners at Safeco Field. Woo! For opening yeah. homestand baseball! tickets, visit Mariners.com. I love it. Damn, it's, that's it, awesome, it's, dude. Because it's baseball. That's really cool. Oh, I love that stuff.